Welcome back to another episode of the We Speak English Good podcast. Today's guest is Lucas Cantor. Uh, he is a composer, producer, multi-instrumentalist, and a speaker. Uh, uh, I'm just going to read right off his website. I, I think this is a great way to uh, sort of introduce our guest today. Lucas has worked in NBC's music department for the Olympic Games in Salt Lake City, Athens, Torino, Beijing, Vancouver, London, Sochi, Rio, and Pyeongchang. Pyeongchang. I don't know if I'm saying that right. My bad, everybody. He won two Emmys for the Olympics in 2008 and 2012. Lucas co-produced Lord's cover of Everybody Wants to Rule the World on the Hunger Games Catching Fire soundtrack. He co-wrote the theme music for Major League Soccer on Fox, and he finished Schubert's Unfinished Symphony with Artificial Intelligence. Pretty cool. Uh, I had a great time talking to Lucas. Uh, as you could hear from the the credits, he is a well-established composer and, and musician and all the stuff. He lives in Los Angeles, and uh, you know what? We, we talked about a lot of stuff, and the one thing that I really liked talking about was the artificial intelligence, and, uh, well, you'll hear what about it. it. You know how we get on this show. We'll talk about some AI or some aliens or something. So, uh, it, great combo coming up. Go to, let me see. Let me make sure I have his website down. LucasCantorMusic.com. That's L-U-C-A-S. C-A-N-T-O-R-M-U-S-I-C dot com. Go check him out. Uh, I love it because the, oh, the, the the landing page is him in Abbey, Studio, Abbey Road Studios with a full orchestra behind him. And he's in the control room. Really cool picture. Go check him out. Go follow him up on all his social medias. And, and you know, support your boy. Support Lucas. Uh, we'll get to Lucas here in a second. But first, go to RainMystique.com, R-E-I-N. N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E.com and go check out our latest song, Where Are You Now? It's a sweet R&B joint. I think you guys are going to dig it. Links are in the show notes. She's also streaming and, oh, excuse me, streaming on Twitch Monday through Thursday. Uh, fuck, what is it? 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. My brain is completely shutting down at this point. I had to set, uh, look, I already said it. I don't need to say it again. My brain is going to mush right now, but uh, moving on. <laughs> Go check out We Speak English Good on Twitch. If you like the show, then you're going to love the stream. Uh, we have uh, we have games, prizes. We have live music streams. I do live loops. There's so much that you're missing out on the live stream that you're not getting here on the podcast. So come on over, twitch.tv slash We Speak English Good. We stream Monday and Fridays. 8 a.m. to 11. Oh, excuse me. Oh, my God. No, 3 p.m. to about 6 p.m. 
Eastern Standard Time, Mondays and Fridays. Sometimes we do some stuff on the weekends, but, you know, it's whenever. I, just go and come hang out. It's a good time, I promise. If you want to support the show monetarily, go to wespeakenglishgood.threadless.com and pick from our large array of designs. You can find the Hot Boy Summer, which, by the way, Hot Boy Summer is up to about 1,500 plays. Thank you guys so much for listening to that. Hot Boy Summer is a silly song that I released a couple weeks ago, so go check that song out. It's uh, it, it's it's a good time, uh, and I really appreciate that we even broke 1,000, which I didn't think that was even possible. So thank you guys so much. Very kind of you guys to be out there listening, especially Jason Black, who I know for a fact listen to it 600 times because <laughs> uh, he's the only dude in michigan in his little town that is going to be listening and plus he told me so anyways thank you jason tyler black love you baby also jt and the conspiracy will be playing at bigfoot studios it's going to be a live stream full band we're going to have real drums it's going to be amazing twitch.tv slash bigfoot studios underscore uh bigfoot underscore studios and then uh they're gonna be also multi-streaming it so they'll be restreaming to youtube on bigfoot studios and on facebook so if you are in any of those platforms please join us it's gonna be a good time august 26 7 p.m eastern standard time jt and the conspiracy playing all the hits uh what else we got um i think that's it for now next week i don't know what's going on next week I don't know what's happening at all. Honestly, who knows? I don't know. So we're just going to go ahead and jump on over to our conversation with Lucas Cantor of, of, of the world, of the music industry world Hollywood thing. <laughs> I sound like a hayseed fucking blumpkin out in Ohio talking the way I do. And you know what? I don't care. I don't care. This hard talk now, all right? You hurt? <laughs> Just kidding. All right, guys, put your hands together for Lucas Cantor. I'm into that, like, uh, I'm into that, like, uh, that, like, that throwback synthwave '80s type stuff that's sort of reemerging, especially when you see like, um, like right after Stranger Things, right? Like that whole genre just sort of exploded back onto it. And I had been following it. I, I, I don't know. Like, are you? Uh, you're you're in that field where you're com- composing for these TV shows. Have you ever seen? such a such a because it's not like an explosion but maybe it is because you're definitely hearing these pop artists like the weekend just released an album that has all those old school like you know those old uh yamaha synths and and the old drum uh uh, drum jesus drum machines and stuff uh is really made an emergency uh have you have you ever seen such a an effect a show has had on um, on the music of like a culture. I mean, I, I don't know if it's that. I don't know if it's Stranger Things, but like it definitely does seem to be a correlation between the rise of that sort of '80s synth wave pop thing coming back and a and uh, and seeing it in sort of the mainstream uh, music world. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> how's it going? How you doing? <laughs> 
was a uh, that was a good question. Um, uh, maybe. And uh, yes, the the so I was actually as you were asking that question, my plan was when you got to the end of it, I was just going to say yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Whether or not you have, or I, just, like, yeah, I, just leave, I just leave it there. Yes, but yeah, the uh, the answer is uh, yeah. Stranger Things did have a huge effect on you know music in general and mm. what clients are asking for and what people expect to hear. But there's one every couple of years, right? That does that. You know, uh-huh. when I first moved to LA, it was um, Inception was the thing. Like that, <laughs> yeah. Bah, like yeah. Everybody wanted something like that, and then you know, uh, it's uh, it's often something that Hans Zimmer does because he's uh. really good with sort of new sounds and that kind of thing mm. and then uh, stranger things was a big one that was uh in vogue for a long time um it, it really is just like kind of whoever's popular and it's totally cyclical and analog synths never really went away they right. the stranger things guys um i'm blanking on their names uh, yeah i can't newton remember brothers? They're, they're, newton Bro- is it the newton brothers i know they're at austin yeah so the, <laughs> i think it is the newton brothers but they um they were uh you know, it's great. It's a great score. And working with analog synths for TV is really hard because one of the things that we have grown accustomed to doing is having everything in a DAW and having everything be editable and movable. And with analog synths, you're basically dealing with a performance that you record. Yes. So, yes, that's it. Did, did you get their name? Duffer. Matt and Ross Duffer. Duffer. No, Duffer. They're the, those are the directors. Oh, that's the directors. Those yeah, yeah. are the writers. Oh, yeah. Stranger um, Things music. My bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm just... This is how good of a, a journalist I am. The first thing I see on Google. Yeah, that's it. Duffer. We're going with Duffer. Um, how Duffer's... We'll see who finds it faster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I should know it. I'm technically, you know... Um, it's a, but a, how, a, 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 allegedly, I'm a professional television composer, but, so but I should is, probably but, have this one. But how can you remember all those things, you know? Like, there's just too much to remember. Um this is, I can't believe how... All right, I'm two seconds away from it. Kyle Dixon and, and Michael Stein. I thought that they went by the Mute, by the Newton brothers or something, but I think the Newton brothers are different people. So yeah. anyway, Kyle Dixon and Michael Stein, that's who it is. Well, there you go. We, yep. we got to the bottom I think of that. They, there's like a band name that they have, but you know, uh, that's Yes, it. yeah, because yeah. I, I remember even going and listening to their music because I was like, wow, I really dig this. And, yeah, they're great. Um, like, like, uh, there was also a, a period where there was like, this is what I noticed. I saw in a lot of like car commercials is the ukulele and like, like found sound type of thing. Mm-hmm. Was that, was that ever anything that you had to like deal with where you're like, now I got to play yeah. this ukulele. I've, do- I've done all of that shit. I've done like every <laughs> like thing that you can, every like popular thing that you can imagine. I've done some version of it at some yeah. point in my career. And uh, yeah, I play ukulele. I've got a, you know, I had a toy, I got a toy piano in here somewhere. With the, um, yeah, ding, ding, <laughs> yeah. ding, ding, ding. Um, And that's, yeah, that was definitely a style. Um, and I, I don't, I don't even, I don't even really know where that came from, but there's something about like these sort of acoustic instruments that really permeated indie films for a while. Mm. And the reason for that is because it's easy for one person to record. What, <laughs> what seems to be the, seriously, what yeah, seems yeah. to have been the style in the last like 30 years is that things that one person can basically do in a laptop and the capability of that has grown exponentially every year. So um, where 20 years ago, 15 years ago, like recording overdubbed guitars and maybe like some samples of single attack instruments that sound good, like a glockenspiel sample sounds pretty realistic because there's only one way to hit a glockenspiel really. And so 
so the you know like that kind of sound that you just described the ukulele and the glock and other you know little found objects was pretty easy to do with samples now you can mm. do basically anything with samples right yeah um, and you can make it pretty convincing and so the you've seen the like the score for loki uh, my wife and i were watching it and i'm i love that score by the way i think she did a fantastic job i'm not a hundred I'm not sure that there are many live instruments on that score. Like there are definitely some, <laughs> yeah. but I think a lot of it is, is, um, our, our sample instruments. And I think by design, like it's mm. like, it makes the show, I think it gives it a certain vibe, but, um, but yeah, that's like something that would have been like, like when they were doing that for TV movies 20 years ago, the samples just didn't sound very good. Right. Now they have a lot of character. And yeah. if you want to, if you want to look at a popular example of a show of a TV Sorry, if you want to look at a popular example of a film that was scored entirely with sampled instruments that sounds horrible and sounded horrible at the time, even though the score, the actual content of the score was fantastic, you have to look no further than Rob Reiner's Princess Bride. <laughs> I'm writing it down. That yeah, that was done with like the Yamaha, like, um, or the Roland, like, you know, the Roland samples of probably like a D90, is that what was it called, or a P90? And it just, it has a sound, but it doesn't sound like those instruments right it's, it's yeah yeah um but uh but it's also a great score I, they're doing it live at the hollywood bowl this year and i'm tempted to go just to see like how do you perform this score live that was never <laughs> intended to be performed live right right it, that that's interesting too it, and what what's funny is is that like now when i'm when i'm dealing with people like right now i'm having someone write horns for me or horn parts for me and they're just going to do it all MIDI and then and chart it for me. And then I'm going to hire someone on Fiverr to, to blow it for me. And he's a percussionist. So, like, w w it's interesting now that that the the way that these these things can be utilized. You might, you might not be pleased with the results of that process. You, well, you know what? It's my first time doing yeah. it like that. I mean, usually I because I because I can record my own stuff. I can, I can engineer my own projects and. And uh, usually I would just have them come to my studio, but now in the time of COVID and I don't have a studio like that anymore, it's like, this is my way forward <laughs> and I'm just trying it out. What, in your opinion, why, why do you think that's not, I'm not going to be happy? Uh, I think you, if you're going to have someone on Fiverr, like do the parts for you. I mean, you're having someone write the parts. Like so I, my friend who's the drummer of my band, but he's mm -hmm. also like a composer and, but he's mostly a percussionist and he, he, he can write and chart out and he's doing, he, he, he writes pretty good funk horn lines. I didn't just be like, Hey drummer, write these horn lines for my <laughs> funk song. I've heard him compose like different horn lines for different. Um, songs yeah, I guess that th genre, that's, but. that's not the bottleneck. I feel like, you know, with any type of music, uh, any type of recording, it's only as good as the performance. So, yeah. like, you know, anyone who's on Fiverr who's willing to do it for super cheap, right? Probably not going to do a fantastic job. Maybe, maybe they will. Like, maybe you'll right. get lucky. But, you know, I, I always that's that's where I when I write music, that's where I spend my money. I always spend my money on players mm. um, because you can uh, players and increasingly now orchestrators. Because as I work with larger ensembles, it's you just need someone to keep the car on the road. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I can write this stuff, but like getting it from my DAW to on a music stand is a whole another process that mm -hmm. um, I can do pretty well, but the orchestrator that I hire can do it really, really well right. and about 10 times faster than me. Right. So, and, so and, that's, that's, yeah. And why, and why, and why make more work for yourself that you're going to do, you know, not as great as a job as someone who can just, you can just have someone come in 
and and just knock it out. It's like why why spread yourself thin just to sort of create this mediocre product when you know you could just hire the right person to just get it done and nail it. Yeah, and you've got to you know you've only got so many decisions you can make in a day, and mm. so the more of those are that are creative decisions about the project you're working on, the better the project's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that, that's one thing that I've been pretty bad at is, is, you know, like delegating parts and Doug, because, because I can play most of the parts myself, except when it comes to horns and strings and stuff, so like, or violins and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it, it's it, it, that's a whole different realm for me. So you, you just described like the whole orchestra. Yeah, I know, I know, I know. Like, I can do everything but the orchestra. I can do everything except for like you know thirty yeah, or forty of these instruments. Yeah. Um, so, so what you're saying is you can all. play guitar and keyboards. Gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, I am a rhythm section. That is me. Um, no, but, but, you know, like it, it, for me, delegating has been one of those things that I've had to like learn to do. Did it, did it take you a while to sort of learn like the most efficient way to run like a project? And I know projects vary from, from project to projects. And, uh, but, uh, you know, how did you figure out not to take on everything? And, and did you ever have that problem? No, I never had that problem. And I don't know any other successful musician that has ever had to learn anything new as they go. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone I know is just really, really good at everything that they did musically immediately. I'm mm -hmm. totally fucking with you. No, of course I had to. Of <laughs> course like, it was a yeah, learning curve. Uh -huh. um, He's a professional. He knows. <laughs> I, just, I just realized that like, I look like I have some like weird 80s side haircut because I've got one headphone on and one head headphone off. Works. And so that just is what it is. Okay, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, <laughs> that we're just gonna live with good. that. It looks um, good. <laughs> but uh, but the um, yeah, the answer to your question is there are a lot of conventions and ways that uh, people in different cities uh, and like different recording centers work to make recording music and composing music and getting it from the pen to the DAW to the stage to the record mm. to make that process as smooth as possible. And it's a little bit different in every city, and it's very um, specific you just, you just have to learn it so my uh my serious answer to your question is that like i tried to figure it out myself when i lived in new york mm -hmm. and i moved to la because i didn't feel like i was making much progress mm -hmm. you know i was like trying to do things and i was like well i could experiment with this for you know a hundred years and i'd probably come up with the system that they are already using somewhere else and i learned this because someone invited me to a big orchestra session in mm -hmm. Um, in Los Angeles and I went and it was a session for a Disney movie. So it was 96 players in wow. Warner Brothers, which has a live room, you know, the size of the house I grew up in. And, <laughs> and it was just a, um, it was just a like really streamlined and efficient process where a lot of the nonsense was dealt with ahead of time and really only creative decisions had to be made in the room. Yeah. And so, yeah, there are really specific ways and I can't, I mean, I can't describe them all, but uh, one of the, one of the learning curves of like when I hire someone, like when I hire someone new to be my assistant or something, pretty much the reason that they would come work for me and the thing that they learn by working for, for me is that process and mm. how I do things, which is how everyone in LA more or less does things. And then um, the reason that I hire, like I said, an orchestrator is like there are, you know, the, the guy I use a lot now, um, his name, I, there's two orchestrators. My sort of high budget one is a guy named Brad Dector, who is, uh, 
if, if his name's Brad Decker, go on IMDb and look at the 300 films he has orchestrated. <laughs> he's done everything you've ever heard of, and he's absolutely amazing. Nice. Um, and then I use another guy named John Houston, who's a composer and an orchestrator, and he's also fantastic uh, and a little bit younger. But the reason that these guys are great is that they, they, you know, we there are certain ways that we work together that are already um, that are just established, and we don't have to have conversations about a lot of things. So. Yeah. Cause I, you know, we just know how the score is supposed to look. We know he, he knows, John knows what font it's supposed to be in like, and all that, you know, all that kind of stuff that these details really make a difference to players. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, to answer your question. Yeah. It takes a really long time <laughs> and a lot of sustained effort to get that dialed in. And the best way to learn it is to learn it from someone else and to sort of see if you can apprentice yourself to someone or like just read a lot of books and just kind of study up on the process. Cause um, you know, information about it exists. And it's not to say that the way that I do it is the way that everyone has to do it, but the way that everyone who I know who's successful does it is like a pretty small variation on the way that I do it. Everyone has their own specific workflow, but um, the broad strokes are pretty much the same. Where where did you, so, so you were saying that in New York, you sort of left New York because you felt like you weren't really hitting, you weren't really doing what you wanted what 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 were you doing in new york and what was it that sort of uh led you made you so frustrated yeah i was uh um working on well, what made me frustrated was very simple that like i the music i was making it didn't i just didn't feel like it was coming out as good as other people's music mm -hmm. and so i was like in my head this sounds great when i actually get it onto uh what do you put it onto now? A hard drive? I don't know. When I actually get it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> done, right. it just doesn't sound as good as I wanted it to. And I um, and I tried, I mean, I've done everything. I tried like pretty much the exact process that you just described. Yeah. I've done that, right. you know, right. and that's why I said you weren't going to be happy with the result because I <laughs> did that and wasn't happy with the result. Yeah. Um, it wasn't Fiverr, but it was, you know, same idea. Right. And, um, and so, yeah, I was just frustrated that I was like, well, other people are able to do this better than me. And, you know, it's probably not because they're geniuses. It's probably because they know stuff that I don't know. Right. So, um, and uh, I was right. Some of them are geniuses, but that also you can be, I mean, you could sit Mozart down at my desk and he's not really going to be able to do anything with it. Right. right. You know, so like, because there is like the, once you teach him how to use the DAW, he'll be able to make better music than anybody. Right. But the the music part is hard. The DAW part is a thing you can learn on YouTube. Right. Right. And so, so yeah, so that's really kind of, um, what I, uh, what I thought was that. And because I'm not a, I'm not the kind of person who can learn stuff off of YouTube videos very easily. I figured I'd go work for someone and just, you know, see if I could get in the thick of it for a while. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that worked. Oh, thank you. Dead side blues for that host. I appreciate it. Thank you. Sir. Sweet. What does, what does that mean? That, mean, <laughs> that means that, uh, someone, um, some uh, another streamer has decided to host this conversation on their channel. So anybody oh, who nice. goes to Deadside Blues's channel <coughs> will see this conversation. So thank well, thank you, Deadside Blues. So you guys are now um, both a part of what I think is my Twitch world premiere because I don't think I've ever oh, streamed yeah. anything on Twitch before. So you, I mean, are you familiar with Twitch at all? I'm aware that it exists. Yes, <laughs> Twitch exists. Yeah, that's <laughs> most people. It's interesting when I first started podcasting. Um, which was not very long ago, like six years ago, six or seven years ago, nobody, I mean, people knew what podcasts were, but they didn't know, like, most people were like, what's a huh? You know, and you're just sort of like internet radio TV, you know, internet radio, basically. And now it's like, it's come back around where it's like, now I'm on Twitch. And now it's like, it's like, nobody knows what Twitch is. 
And I have a feeling in like the next five years, probably everybody's going to know what Twitch is. Maybe. And unless something else comes by that does it better. But that's pretty, that's not happening anyways. But, but yeah, what, what do you know about this platform? Other than it exists, so it's uh, it's called Twitch, um, and uh, I know that it uh, something about gamers, like the gamers tend to like it. And I, one of my good friends, uh, the godmother of one of my children, oh. had a boyfriend who really wanted to be a professional Twitch streamer. So he was uh, what we in the business actually refer to as an unemployed loser. And um, so, and I'm not saying that if you are a professional Twitch streamer, you're unemployed. Like that's fantastic if you can do that. But he he did not was not able to make it work. So well, um, yeah. There's a difference between wanting to do something and then doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I mean, I I don't want to I don't want to shit on this guy too much. But uh, oh, you can. know, he was the kind of person that like th- he wanted to have done something, but had no interest in actually doing it. Yeah, that that so, seems like I, a, I sympathize with. You know, but, but. That seems to be a lot of people in Southern California. I lived in Southern California for about 13 years. Hey, you know what? On behalf of uh, all the people south of the Tehachapi Mountains to all the people in whatever the fuck bumfuck place you're from, go fuck yourself. <laughs> hey, no, no. I, I've lived in, I lived in San Diego for about uh, 13 years. And, uh, you know, there's there's so many people out there that want to be something more. And they're always chasing that SoCal dream. And I've worked in LA a few times, you know, and... Obviously, not on the level you are, but, you know, I got to play the Key Club when that was a thing, and um, other places, I can't remember, who gives a fuck? So, so why is Will Smith floating around right now? What's, what's, what's happening? What's going on? <laughs> okay, okay. Like, there, so, was some, there was some, like, cartoon boxer that went the other way. <laughs> These are called emotes. They're like little emojis that people put out, and... Uh, Oh, nice. Uh, and and uh, it, it's sort of like your calling cards. You can sort of put it. I'll, I'll just release some of them. So my, wait, are these like people who are watching are, are sending these things yes, across the they're, screens? Yes, they're sending them across the screen. Nice. And we even got a question from somebody. Oh, uh, yeah. Send more. I Okay, I love it. Now that I know that it's fan <laughs> intro, I, th- I just didn't know what was happening. So. You're, I know. You're like moving <laughs> your head. You're like, wait, yeah. what? No, I, I thought I was going to have to fight that guy. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't know this is what this was about, but here we yeah. go. ABAB start. I got it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. I'm ready. Infinite, infinite powers. Hell yeah, we're going contra on that ass. Uh, no, the okay. Anyways, the, so I, I I sympathize with you. Uh, with, like so, uh, uh, t- two things. First of all, if you t- if you shit on Southern California, and you're not from here. Obviously, I'm gonna just I'm argue not. with you. I'm but not. I'm not. From on the other hand, no. But on the other hand, you're totally it. right. Like I, I, I completely. <laughs> if you would just let me say that first, I would have said the exact same thing. Um, so. So yeah, it's, it's, uh, there is a lot of, um, one of the things that I have noticed since I moved out here, um, cause when I moved out here, my friends were like, well, there's going to be a lot of competition. There's a lot of musicians out there and there's a lot of composers out there. And the thing that I realized is that, you know, there is, there are a lot of people who move out here to do a thing, but there are not a lot of people who put in the work to actually do it. You know, there's a lot of people who want to be rich and famous musicians, but there's not a lot of people who want to. Yeah. learn how to play music and or there's less <laughs> there are a lot but there's less of them and it's like you know saying that you're I, I always I don't remember who said this but it was the difference between um, wanting to be you know being fascinated by the tales of Homer you know the Iliad and the Odyssey and saying mm-hmm. oh I love this I could dedicate my life to studying this it's the difference between having that thought and then sitting down and learning how to speak and read ancient Greek yeah you know like the, you have to learn to read ancient Greek right. if you want to study Homer on a serious level right. but that is quite a big endeavor you know, is. and it's the same thing out here. I, I mean, I, I meet a lot of people still to this day who 
you know, will say like, I don't understand what's going on, man. I mean, I, I moved out to LA. I, I live in the right neighborhood. Uh, you know, I've got all these social media followers. Um, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm going to the right parties and I just don't understand why it's not happening for me. And then I'll check out their demo and I'm like, well, I think I've solved the mystery here. <laughs> you know, like you forgot to get good at making music. So, oh yeah. And that's a, that's like a prerequisite. Everyone who is successful in this business, you know, you can say what you will about like, you know, this person and that person is good or bad, but everyone who is a successful musician is good at making music or at least good at entertaining a crowd. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and like I've, I've been working on, uh, I've been checking out Meek Mill a lot, which mm. is, you know, yeah. out of character for me, but, <laughs> and like, he's not like a, I mean, his shit, it's just fantastic. Like, yeah. it's like, it might not be your style, right. but like what he does, he does extremely, extremely well yeah. and better than most people. And that's why he's so popular, Yeah, you know? Yeah. And it's the, it's the same thing with, um, you know, with film music. Like if you have the attitude that film music is sort of like, you know, kind of whatever music that you put on a movie to make schmaltzy scenes more schmaltzy, then, you know, no director wants to work with someone like that. And no audience wants to watch a movie that is scored that way. So -hmm. if you have the like attitude that like, I'm going to be the best at this thing that I do, then that's what makes people want to work with you. And then you've got to back it up by, you know, trying. Yeah. Yeah. Try. Yeah. You also <laughs> got to like put in the effort. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's like, cause you can be the best at anything, but if you're not going to put in the effort, then it doesn't matter. You can be the best that in your bedroom. Congratulations. And which is fine. If that's what you're shooting for in life, if you want to be the best player in your bedroom, that's cool. You know what I mean? You are, you already are. You <laughs> Congratulations. You are, you made it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Congrats. You're the like the drum whisperer. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So if anybody is interested in following Lucas on IG and you can see his ID, I, IDM, God damn it. IMDB credits. I, I made sure to uh, add in there. So go ahead. It's oh, thank you. exclamation point LC if you guys are interested in following and, fi- and finding out a little bit more of Lucas's background. He, he is an Emmy Award winning uh, a composer. Uh, Emmy. Now, is it a daytime Emmy or is it an Emmy Emmy? Oh, well, which ones are yours? It sounds like you're judging me a little bit. <laughs> oh, I'm so- okay, by the way, <laughs> congratulations, my friend. I, that, I I don't know what a daytime Emmy is uh, either. I just <laughs> can't. Yeah. There it is. Thank you, Thank you Raina. You're right. Thank you, someone. Raina <laughs> um, Raina redeemed a cancel. Thank you. Yeah, I, I deserve that. I deserve that. Uh, anyways, uh, what do so you... So I, I can actually give you like a great deal of detail on which Emmys are which, if you like. Sure. Um, yeah, I am, uh, but the, the bottom line is, yeah, you're... So, I have uh, sports Emmys, which are oh. Emmys that are issued by the National Academy of Television Arts and Scientists, Sciences. I think that's right. As opposed to primetime Emmys, which are n- issued by the American Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, oh. um, which you would think would be the same people, but it's not. Is, and uh, is it, it is the same true that the ones that I have. Yeah, yeah, statue. There's, there's no, I mean, is there. it the same yeah. one? Is it the same one? That so, the, yeah, it's the same statue. You oh, get the no. same big statue. And the, um, the, the small Emmys are for like local. Um, like if you win, uh, if you're like the, where, wherever you are, like you have like a local news team. Yeah. If they win an Emmy, they get a little Emmy. I got you. I got you. Um, So, uh, but you know, an Emmy is an Emmy. It still means that your, um, your product was voted by your peers to be the best of that year. So, Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it's a, it's an accomplishment. Mine are from 
working on the Olympics. So, which is amazing. Know, it's very cool. <laughs> I'm very proud of them. Uh, I think, you know, like, I mean, I wasn't the executive producer of the Olympics. It probably would have continued to happen whether I was there or not. Yeah. But I was part of a team that did something amazing. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, I mean, and if you're like, uh, I mean, I think David Price on the Dodgers got a World Series ring, even though he sat out last year. Right. Hey, so he was there. You know, he was but there. whatever. He was part of the team. He was watching <laughs> and, it on TV. And he's forever yeah. a win. And he's a forever a yeah. winner of that prize. And it was going to be his second World Series ring anyway. So. <laughs> <laughs> so whatever <laughs> fuck it yeah. uh well but but i i i mean like uh that that uh that idea what, what did you did you have did you go to a, like a ceremony or is it something they just like ups to your your door or something yeah like well that? it was both actually so oh, okay. i i did go um but it's because it's like a because i'm like a i was an associate producer on the games that i won and before on both of them. Mm. And so like, you know, they can't have 30 people going up there and making speeches. So the executive producer goes up and collects the Emmy and, uh, but you get invited you can watch. And then, um, and then, yeah, you have to order it and you also have to pay for it. Oh my God. Yeah. Can I ask how much it costs? Yeah. Emmys cost, uh, between five. I mean, they, they change every year, but it's like between five and $600. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> Asshole. Here's yep. this award. Now pay us. That's, how they, that's, that's one of the ways they make their money. Wow. Um, but I didn't know that. That's really but cool. But yeah, it's like, you know, any award show, it's like, it's people have this idea that something like the Emmys or the Oscars are these like cultural institutions that are you know, fairly managed by oh, like you, someone Daniel. with like government level objectivity, but really, you know, they're just ways for industries to honor themselves. I mean, I don't know if you watch The Office, but like the Emmys are just the Dundies for a much larger organization. Yeah. The uh, hold on, I got Daniel. What is, what is this? What what are you doing, bro? I'm, 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 What's I got on Daniel. I got I got I got I got to like I got to delete this message, bro. I, what I, did he say? I don't want to repeat it, but it's something about violence, and I don't want to repeat it. But but oh yeah, <laughs> it's like that, it's, what, what about this conversation is going to lead to violence? <laughs> I, I think they're trying to be quaint, but uh, look, mm. I deleted your message. You can hang out, but just you know, cool it with the weird shit. Okay, <laughs> that was a weird thing. It wasn't violent. You just said something about bombing a place. Okay, I'm not. I did. I, I think said it was, that. Not you. Not you. It was Daniel. Oh. Dan, look. I'm not. I'm not hating. Thank you for the the bit, but like, I, it might be biblical, but you know what? I I misconstrued it. So let's just work past it. You're welcome to just, hang out. You know, there's a lot of violence in the Bible, and so just because it's <laughs> biblical doesn't mean it's not. Violence. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, the the violence is Bible is full of violence. But in any way, yeah. Daniel, thank you for sharing whatever that was. Uh, but <laughs> contribute to the conversation and uh, leave the weird biblical shit for someone else. Uh, what the fuck? Don't ruin an interview for Neil. Rell. Yeah, I know, but I, I just you know I don't want Daniel to go away and think that I hate him. I just I don't want that in my chat. So hey, we've all hit send and then thought better of it. So you know <laughs> oh we've all God. been there, Daniel. Don't worry about it. <laughs> no, I'm sure Daniel didn't mean anything horrible by it. I hope, but uh, Penny, thank you so much for those 200 biddies. I do appreciate that. Uh, again, Daniel, you you're more than welcome to hang out here, but uh, you know. I don't know what that was. I, I if I misconstrued it, my apologies. But anger. Uh, anyways, and, and of course I forgot what we were talking about. We were talking about Emmys, right? You had we're talking about Emmys, and yeah, just about how um, the 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 violence, the violent thought that inspires in me every time I think about. No, we never were talking about that. Um, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go so. ahead. Okay, well, if you want to keep bidding, I'm I'm turning off the thing. That's fine. Just uh, well, it's here's the weird thing too. 
is that you've been shadow banned by Twitch. That that tells me something else as well, Daniel. <laughs> if you if you're being shadow banned by Twitch, that also tells me something else. I know, I know. Daniel's just trying to co-op the conversation. Uh, it, it's fine. I just it's fun. Can you talk about music, please? <laughs> yes, we can talk about. I actually want to talk about how I've been shadow banned by Twitch. Um, which like just because I don't really know what Twitch is, or nor do I have an account on Twitch. Right. You know, people aren't letting me. Uh, express myself so i think so um, i think you're yeah. right i think we're being shadow banned by daniel <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> daniel stop shadow banning us we're trying to do some shit oh <laughs> uh, no but all right so where were we should probably talk about music right uh you, you I, nothing against the bible guys i wasn't trying yeah. to shit on the bible okay Everyone. I'll shit on the Bible. I will take that. I'll take that heat. <laughs> you, can, you can email me through my website. I will shit on the Bible all day long. <laughs> There's a that, is, that may be, may not be the official position of this show, but that is. Oh, uh, oh, I'm yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not here to offend anybody per se, but like, yeah. I'm definitely. It's not a Bible type show. I, I mean, yeah, I no, shit I mean, on the Bible. Look, if you want to go to church on Sunday and do your thing, like God bless you. Right. I, that's fantastic. Right. Enjoy. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. But I don't want it in my fucking chat. Shit on the Bible.com. All right. All right. You guys are getting ridiculous. You guys are There's a shit on the Bible. Okay, hold on. Can we can we like just take a moment and I, just see what shit on the Bible.com has to say? It's nothing. It's my mod. She's being cute. She just right. put a fake link in the I, I clicked on it as well. Okay, good. <laughs> I had to click on it because that'd be tight. Uh no, it's, uh much love to everyone. Go believe in God or Allah or the flying spaghetti monster. Mwah. Love you. Please keep doing it. I don't I don't care. It's it's great. Congratulations. For anyone who wants a tithe, if you want to send your tithes directly to me, I will forward them <laughs> yeah, on. Straight to God. So, um, yeah, you can just email, you can just PayPal me. I will send it straight up to whatever God you believe in. No, no service charge, no nothing. Nothing. Straight up. <laughs> straight up, baby. Drip, drip. Uh, okay. Uh, anyways, no, the, 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 the Emmy and the award thing is really weird, man. Cause it's like, I, I, I've never won an award like that. I, I've not yet. Well, I've won, I've won like a grant award. So that's something. It's amazing. Yeah, it was great. It was an artist rant, grant for the show. So I'm, I'm very proud of that, but you know, it's like, uh, I read, uh, I've read books about it, read people's experience with it. And I really love Amy Poehler's take on it where it's like, you, it's like it's something that's like you don't you don't even care about the prize you don't really you know you don't even care that's not why you're doing it but mm. but but as soon as they start dangling the possibility of it in your face all of a sudden oh i want it bad uh so and i've i've heard several people who've been up for like these bigger awards talk like that too is that something that you you kind of subscribe to that kind of thought process of like I, or, <laughs> or, yeah. or were you just like <laughs> yes that's exactly how it is and amy Poehler, as usual fucking nailed it that's exactly what it is <laughs> it's, like, it's like i never thought oh man i really you know I'm, i was just doing my job doing right. what i was like was my job at the time which was working on uh, music stuff for the olympics and i was just trying to get it done and then once i found out that we were up for an emmy and that i could get my name on the on the thing to get on it, it became like this important thing where <laughs> if that had not happened, I never would have even considered right. trying to do it. But it's just like, you know, yeah. I mean, I think it's like anything. I think anyone who, because we're uh, genetically programmed to crave and seek the validation of our peers and to try to, um, you know, enhance our own reputations and something that does it on that level is just like viscerally appealing. It's mm -hmm. like, um, 
it would be impossible to be indifferent to it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you could say you're indifferent to it, but <laughs> it's, you know, I'm indifferent to it now that I've already done it, but right. it's, you know, and I, and it's like, you know, I can like disingenuously say, Oh yeah, it's totally meaningless, but like, obviously it is meaningful. Yeah. Um, and it's meaningful to, you know, it's me meaningful to other people more than it is to me. And it, and having won those awards has gotten me work, you mm -hmm. know, because like, it's not, it's not that anyone said, Oh, he won an Emmy. Let's hire him. But they might say he won an Emmy. Let's let's look at him. Yeah. You know, let's listen to his music yeah. rather than just move it move it along. Right. And so in that sense, it's it's helped. And uh, one of, but yeah, I, I think that it's it's easy to dismiss awards like that, like you just did when, when you said, "Oh, is it a daytime Emmy?" Like you're not wrong. It's like easy to dismiss them, and I totally <laughs> sympathize with that with that um, perspective. But it's also like it's something that means something. It like we've just decided as a culture that it's meaningful, yeah. and so it is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and and again, I I didn't mean that. I was that was like a really bad joke. And it's hilarious. Yeah, no, it turned it turned really awesome. <laughs> that was great content. <laughs> really good content. Uh, yeah, no, but the it, that the, I, I've never been in that position, obviously. But 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 not yet. But not yet. Not yet. But but to but to think about it in those terms where you're just like, I'm just doing my job. I'm just like I'm just working. You know, I'm just a union guy doing my thing. And fucking this thing came up, and oh oh. Well now the people want to recognize that you know I do work and I did do good work and that is it. I, I can see that, man. I can see that how that could. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're not doing this podcast to win, you know, whatever a potty award or whatever no. it is. But if someone told you that you were up for one, right, you would feel pretty good about oh, it, I'm sweet. sure. And, oh, and then you'd be like, I really want to win that because <laughs> you know, if you once you're because like, I mean, the perception of like, if you would asked me in 2007 before I had been nominated for or 2005 before I'd been nominated for an Emmy, like, do you want to be nominated for an Emmy? I would like it would have seemed like this was a race that had passed me by so long ago <laughs> that I had no hope of catching up. Right. But then when someone says like, Oh, actually like if you sprint, you can make top five right now. Wow. Then you sprint all of a sudden. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so when he writes for film, does he watch the film and then create late? Yes. Bloomer wants it though. Uh, oh, and late bloomer. Also, I think late bloomer wanted me to pass on that. You should get a Twitch account um, because they would like to see you work. They, they oh, like I love that. I'm I'm not gonna do it though. I appreciate. I appreciate. I'll I'll tell you why. And so I'm taking. I have uh, on my birthday, which was May 25th. I decided to take a year off of social media, and so I have uh, a personal Instagram account that I used to post music stuff on that I is just paused for the year. Mm -hmm. And then my podcast, which we can talk about later, has a has an account which is at Book Society Pod, which my assistant runs. It's just basically this is the episode that's coming up, right? Yeah. And um, my thing is I, I have a podcast, so I'm like regularly communicating to the public. Um, I do public appearances and my website, lucascantermusic.com, you can email me directly. So if someone like wants to connect with me, that is, I, I will, like, we can be friends. I'm happy to get <laughs> back to you. I'm just like doing this experiment of like, I don't want to, I want to see what like not having these little tiny interactions does for a year. Yeah. Because I think it's kind of toxic for me. Like, and I, I don't think it's, I, I don't really have an opinion on social media for other people. This is really personally for me. Yeah. Like, I think it's toxic for me and it doesn't really work for me. So what about, so it? that's, that's where I'm at. What about it's toxic for you? I just, the time that I spend, I don't get anything out of the time that I spend on it. Mm -hmm. That's, that's really it. Yeah. So like I, I get, you know, you, like for me, I look at Instagram and 
my thoughts are just like, why are my friends doing so much better than me? You know, like, <laughs> hey, I like I was in this like, you know, film scoring program with this person and they just got this movie, oh, you know, like, yeah. why didn't I get that movie? And yeah. then so there's a lot of that. And then there's just a lot, you know, the, I think that's pretty natural. And then I also like this was something that fascinated me for a while, but I kept getting ads to like start a coaching business, which like I don't know what <laughs> like confluence of Instagram or like you know, internet algorithms led them to believe that I had any, any interest at all in doing this. But then, so then I was like, all right, fuck it. Let's see. Like, I wasn't going to do it, but I was like, I want to see why I'm getting these ads. And then I started going down this rabbit hole of all these fake gurus who are, um, you know, like driving around in the Lambos and, you know, just take my course. I'll show you how to trade whatever, you know? And, um, so yeah, so, so that like, that led me down kind of a, like, it just made me sad for like, you know, I mean, I, I, I do okay. My wife and I are both composers. We do okay. Oh, and, cool. you know, the way that we do that is, like, we work really hard. Right. Like, we have spent a long time getting good at our thing, and we, like, are really lucky. Yeah. And that's the only formula for success that I've ever seen work, get you know, like, in the arts. Have like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, your, your two options are get, like, really good at something and get really lucky if you want to do something in the arts, mm. or, like, just get a normal job and save very diligently. Yeah. Like. You know, if you're a teacher in Ohio, probably at the end of our careers, if you're like a very diligent saver and you bought your house young, we'll probably end up with like the same lifestyle, mm, yeah. you know? Um, and uh, so it's like, so yeah, anyway, the, the, and then the other side of it was like, I just didn't see that, like, like I grew my Instagram account for a while and I got it to be, you know, I never got it huge, but I got it to be like a thousand, you know, 1500 or something like that. And it had like no impact on anything that I did at all. Like zero impact. Like it, I didn't get more streams because of it. I didn't get any work because of it. And I didn't really meet anyone. Like, you know, I didn't really meet anyone. Right, like it yeah. was like, you know, so it was like, so, and I worked really hard at it. I spent like a lot of time creating content <laughs> yeah. and interacting and stuff. Yeah. And I was like, this is, this is just a waste of time. Like right. I'm better off just working on a book mm. and, you know, going on podcasts with actual human beings. Right. So, I, I think I sound judgmental about social media and I'm totally not. It's really only for me. Yeah. Like it's just, it's just not good for me. So no, that's I, it. I get it. And, and, and you know, like that, that, that's a huge thing for me as well Is like how much time are we putting in this and what's the out, you know, what's the outcome, what's the output. And it's like, well, is it, is it there to just sort of stroke my ego or is it there to sort of like really promote things in an effective way that's reaching a, a large scale of people that are actually going to funnel back into whatever I'm promoting? And, you know, the way it's sort of structured now and the way that social media is now, you have to pay for that kind of exposure anymore mm -hmm. unless you get, you know, lucky and you do find a – you do create a piece of content that goes viral and maybe people come and follow you and stuff. But it's just – you're absolutely right. And when you're talking about Twitch, the amount of time it takes to actually learn – how to like you know hook up your your computer and 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 download Streamlabs or OBS and learn OBS and then learn you know like all these things you got to learn all these hardships that I mean because it is yeah, so you could have re read War and Peace <laughs> it it's <laughs> insane but but for me in, in the time of the pandemic what the fuck else was I doing I, I built out my website I I built my podcast to even bigger and made it into a, something profitable so like 
that it was really just the time to be able to put into it in which the pandemic afforded. And so if I would have never, if the pandemic would have never happened, I would have been just still like gig, 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 record gig, podcast here, do that, 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 that. I would have never slowed down enough to learn this. So for, for someone who values their time and, and hates wasting it and especially hate wasting it on social media, you will dump an extraordinary amount of time into just learning Twitch. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if so, Twitch is right for you either. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I, I like, I have not shared this story publicly, but I will tell you the moment that I decided, because you mentioned something about time. And so I have two kids, right? And they are one and two. One of them's birthday is today. Actually, he turned one. And I'm not being a bad father. We had the birthday party <laughs> yesterday. He doesn't. He doesn't know the difference. <laughs> but uh, but yeah. So he's he's one today. And the other day, um, the uh, a few months ago, I was watching both of them, and I was like checking. Like I got a notification on Instagram, mm. and my young son, um, I was like doing something on it, and we try not to use the phones in front of them, but whatever. I just like went in <laughs> around the corner and was using it. <laughs> yeah. and my young son took a like dove down our stairs. Oh my god. He's fine. He was totally fine. Like, you know, they're made of rubber. He was totally yeah, cool. And, get like, right back up. and he did it, you know, he's, you know, he, he was, he was fine, but like, it definitely could have gone a different way. And it definitely, he definitely could have been injured. And I was like, man, I'm, is this really worth like, like whatever the fuck was happening on Instagram was absolutely, you know, was just completely not even in the same ballpark as like, even just watching my kid do something normal. Like, yeah. you know, like I would rather watch my kid poop on a potty than like see who likes some thing, but like when you yeah. have it on your phone and you have it in your pocket, you want to look at it all the time. Right. And it's designed that way. And so, yeah. So when I had, that was definitely my worst parenting moment. I can't believe I just like told your podcast that, but you know, it is what it is. <laughs> and, and everybody came out fine, which is, I think the important thing. Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I realized that like, this was distracting me from what is the single most important thing in my entire life. Yeah. You know, and you know, you are whatever your priorities are and you are whatever your actions are. And in that moment I prioritized like my dopamine hit from a screen over the safety of my own child. And that's when I realized like I have a problem, right? Like, I don't know if social media has a problem, but I have a problem and this needs to stop now. And so that's, that's why to answer long windedly the, um, your very nice user who I think was trying to be very nice to me and asked me to get a Twitch, Twitch account. That's why respectfully and thankfully I'm probably not going to do it. <laughs> And that's fair. And, and, and that's a, and that's a reasonable, that's a reasonable answer. I mean, you putting, look, I've, I've, the first time I well, not the first, the second time I ever rear-ended somebody was because <laughs> I was texting and it wasn't, it was texting a long time. It was like when you still had the flip phones and you yeah, still had to push. T9. Like, yeah. The T9 texting. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm sitting there like, do, 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 do. And I'm at a stoplight and I don't even realize I let my foot off the brake and I'm just slowly and I rolled and hit this dude's bumper. And this dude tried to say he had to call the police and get insurance involved. There was no marks. I just drove away. I didn't have insurance. Uh, so. All right, so I've let my kid fall down the stairs, and you have perpetrated a hit and run. So exactly, I think we're on even footing here. exactly, um, exactly. But so, yeah, but like, I get seriously, it. Seriously, you could have killed someone. Exactly, you killed, like exactly. you didn't. Luckily, it was fine, but you could have right. killed someone. Yeah, and 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 the fact that I still will catch myself doing that is fucked up. And I will take my phone and like toss it like on the floor on the other side just so I can't grab it. Uh, like not, but now even with my family because of the pandemic and how much. Uh, I just turned on to working like I just started I'm working now this is what I do forever now and like 14 15 hour days just dedicated to like whatever I'm doing and uh, like the 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 
my family's like, yo, you got you got to put that shit down. You got to like be a part of the family. You got to like come over here and do things with us. And well, shit. And see, I forgot what my point was. This is what happens when I start going off on these different avenues. Is uh, what were we? Yeah, it's not it's not healthy. Like I mean, no, it, it really it's like it's demonstrably not healthy. No, it's and not. I'm not I'm not an expert in that. And you know, mm. other people. Th- this research is out there though. Yeah, and you it can is. easily find it. It's yeah. It's part of the reason that. The, our society is the way it is today. Right. It's, it's like the long-term effects of someone who is young using this kind of technology are not known. So like you can, we can argue about it, but like, I think it's clear that it's definitely not positive. It might right. be neutral, but it's definitely not positive. And I mean, even, and, uh, yeah, please, it, so we don't let our kids use any of that stuff. That's they don't probably, watch TV. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah. pretty, I mean, you know what? We you know, just, we will figure it out eventually. We just throttled our son on how mm-hmm. much he was watching. And like, we, we, we had to throttle it down to about two to three hours a day. And it's like, cause you can see like this huge, huge difference in behavior when you just let a, a kid on a phone or a device all mm-hmm. day with no supervision, where just, you're just throwing them crumbs on the floor as you walk by to feed them, you know, and just, it, it, you're just in your own world, especially in a pandemic world where everyone's home and everybody has something to do. Hopefully, it fuck, you know, we're just throwing them whatever. It, it, by the end of the day, he's a fucking, he's a monster. He's he's out of control. He doesn't know how. How he's old? A, he's seven. He's seven. You so, have your son on social media? No, he's, he's not. Seven? No, 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 no. He's not on social media. Oh, so, well, yeah, he I is. I was trying on, not to judge, but that I'm gonna judge that. No, 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 no. He he's he is on social media actually, but it's very controlled by us. It's not on him. And what he watches on his devices is like Netflix and plays Minecraft. So we don't mm-hmm. let him anywhere near it. He also has his own Twitch channel as well, where he's, he plays games with me. So mm-hmm. I, I I I can see the judgment going, but yeah, yeah, no, that's insane. But it's your family. Hey, hey, this is this is how it's going. Man, you know what? Anything you can do to make it easier for my kids to get into Harvard, I really appreciate. <laughs> oh, and, uh, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Hey, there you go. It's on me. It's on. It's on me, yeah. Lucas. Your but kids. You know what, dude? We might we might find out. Like it might be fifteen years from now, and we might find out that like doing those kinds of interactions prepared him for a world that we cannot now imagine well, and that my children exactly. are way far behind. That's totally possible. Well, th- there is that. I mean, cause there is this idea of fucking the, the neuro net coming and, and having a, a firm place on the internet, um, uh, before that comes, I mean, cause like, you know, like I, I want to ask this question and, and then I want to kind of like go into your AI, uh, your AI stuff. Cause it's so fucking fascinating. And, and, um, I, I'm, it's, I'm sure everyone's going to find it super fascinating as well. So let's maybe <laughs> I find it. Fa- well, I mean, I don't know. Like I judge on everyone. People are here. So, you yeah. know, like people, Sweet. people come here because I bring people on. So I, I figure people like my taste and other people and ideas. So, well, we'll oh, yeah. oh no, I meant that I might, I might not be fascinating. I think you're, uh, no, 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 <laughs> you're, no. Doing, you're great. No, you're, you're, you're <laughs> but, great too, man. You, yeah. you, you've been nothing but, but, but a peach, man. Uh, how many episodes <laughs> of your, uh, podcast are you in? Uh, I think we're on number 17. It's cool. hard to, cause I'm, I'm a bit ahead of what's released. So I think I've recorded 20 and we've, we've released 17 of that. Sweet. Sweet. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll good. Get, so far so good. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Uh, yeah. I, I just looked you up. Ted Talk will be watched after Mike talks. <laughs> uh, what do you feel oh, is you. online that we should find? What do you feel is online that we should find? For uh, of my stuff? Yes. I, I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. Uh, so I have, uh, I mean, you can find me on Spotify, Lucas Cantor. That's where I put new music. Um, 
Oh, I think my latest that. thing is uh, I released an album called Space Hustle, which is like cool, groovy stuff that I recorded 12 years ago and found during the pandemic. Wow. I like made this record and forgot about it. <laughs> so, <laughs> you made a whole uh, record. I made a whole record. And uh, it was uh, like I had this friend from us. So I, I had a studio back in New York that um, my uh, like my boss and mentor basically said like, he was the most hands-off mentor, which for me was perfect. He said, all right, here's what I'm going to do for you. Like, we leave at 5 p.m. We come back at 10 a.m. Mm. The studio's yours in between that time. Wow. So I was recording shit, like, daily. You know, wow. I was in there every fucking day just using that place. And so, so yeah, to have recorded something that I then forgot about was not out of the realm of normal for me. But uh, I knew this uh, drummer in Vienna. I had met him in Vienna. Um, his name was Herb Pierker, and he's just this amazing jazz drummer who could play this really authentic like drum and bass shit mm. but like live on the drums and so he came to new york for a tour and i just said hey can you just come by the studio and just like i'll just give you a click and can you just like lay down a bunch of shit and he did that and then i added guitars and you know some synths and some bass you know so it's basically just me and him playing everything and i did it we recorded it we uh sort of finished it and then i was gonna release it and i like honestly just don't remember why i didn't i just didn't and um I forgot about this record. And when I was just going through stuff during the pandemic, like you said, just sort of getting everything organized, learning new things, I found it and I released it and it, uh, it got onto the all new jazz playlist on Spotify and it's, it's actually done pretty well. So that's um, amazing. Yeah. It's definitely my most popular thing. That's not associated with like a TV show or something. Uh, um, and what's the, what's the, what's the name of it? Cause I'm at, I'm on called, your Spotify right now. Yeah. It's called space hustle. So it's like a black, uh, it's like just oh. a black album cover with three stars. Well, that's not it. Okay. And, I wonder why it's not coming up. It's it's right on Lucas Cantor, your page, right? Yeah, it should be right. Uh, there's a there's a track like the, I think the the sort of hit title track is called Mir M I R, mm. like the name of the Russian space station. Oh, okay. Uh, By the way, everybody here, I'm dropping uh, his Spotify in the chat. And look, look, look at you. You got you do well, my friend. You do well. I do all right. I mean, it's it's mostly because like so. To, to not be a fake guru, I'll tell you my secret, <laughs> which is that um, I have, you know, I, I, I did a show called Cannon Busters, which was an anime on Netflix. And so a lot of my streams come in from that because that wow. show has a lot of, uh, has a bit of a cult following. Ah. And then I did an album uh, called Open Your Eyes for a library that I recorded at Abbey Road with a big orchestra and this vocalist that I love. And that's been sort of like an evergreen thing. It's, it's been up since 2016. Oh. People just seem to, to dig it. So, um, uh, oh, thank you. That's nice of you. Um, yeah. So yeah, and then uh, and the like, but yeah, the I'm, I I wouldn't say I'm I don't. Yeah, I don't have like a formula. Like my formula for like getting plays on Spotify is like do stuff for Netflix. <laughs> so you know, it's not it's not really repeatable. Um, right for Netflix, okay, yeah. guys. If you yeah. want these kind of numbers, you too yeah. can live the life of luxury of having yeah. a sixty three thousand play on your. Spotify. Just just write for an anime on Netflix. Oh man, dude, it's in the dark. So this track in the dark is almost at a hundred thousand. I just realized. It's nice. Like, it's Look at 59, you. 59 plays away from. Look at it. Let's get. Let's go. Let's go. Let's get it yeah. up there, guys. Let's get it up there. Let, let's get the. <laughs> let's get that to a hundred thousand. That album, I'm super proud of because it was really just like. Um, it was. Uh, I wish I could this... play some of this shit, man. Twitch is super rude about about uh, playing on people's music, so I can't play it. But you guys can. 
just by clicking on that link. Yeah, well, I'll tell you just a little bit about that album was I, I did this track with Lord. Um, so, I mean, I'm not on as a producer on this track, which mm. is why I don't have millions of Spotify plays. <laughs> but <clears throat> I uh, produced um, this track, uh, I, Lord's cover of Everybody Wants to Rule the World. Okay. Which came out in like 2014. It was on the Hunger Games and all that stuff. And nice. It was pretty popular at the time. Yeah. And uh, because of Lord, like my track was fine, but Lord <laughs> made it into a hit. You know? Yeah, and yeah. I did it with a, the, a guy I was working with at the time named Michael Levine, who we're still buddies. And we did this album together too. Uh, this with the In the Dark comes from, um, it's called Open Your Eyes. And because I had done the song with Lord, this company uh, came to me and said like, hey, we want you to do something. And we'll pay for it. And so just tell us what it is. Oh. And so, yeah. So we ended up doing this. I, I knew this re- amazing vocalist who sang these crazy vocal harmonies and we recorded an album with her with like a full orchestra at Abbey Road. I had it mixed by one of the top wow. uh, film guys here and just like a lot of synths and a lot of live orchestra. And it was, a, that's nuts. It's just one of these things that you couldn't, you know, like couldn't have, I couldn't have like made it myself. Right. But when I had someone say like, all right, well, just, you know, tell, send us the bill. That's, so that's what we come up, that's what we came up with. It's like, um, Hey, we really liked what you did with Lord. Here's yeah. lots of money to go do whatever you want. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> that's amazing so yeah, got, though. When you, when you, when you were approaching a project like this, was this something that you sort of had to like really block out time or was this something that you were able to do like on the side while doing your, your normal day to day sort of work? Yeah, I don't really have a normal day to day. I understand that thing. So yeah, it's it's um, it is like everything is kind of on this weird rotating cycle where like with this, with this particular project, Miriam would write a song, she would send it to me, I would do like some arrangement of it, we would go back and forth on it, and then then maybe I would send it to Michael or I would send it to the orchestrator or like it was just always kind of you know, bubbling up and we're all working on different things. So sometimes I would send something to someone and they would get back to me that day. Sometimes it would be a week later, right. you know? And so it just was a, but everything I do is kind of like that. And then it stays in this like soup of stuff that I'm trying to touch as often as I can right. until there's a deadline. And then that becomes the most important thing, right. which means that the second most important thing ceases to exist right. for a few weeks. Right. And then, you know, yeah. Um, Prioritize. And that's, yeah, that's, that's where it's, it's a, it's not the best system. If anyone out there has like some productivity hacks, cause like I've been like, there's this part of me that wishes I was like, I could just like get down here at eight. And so I'm in my house right now. This mm. is my home studio through that door is just, you know, a normal place where normal people would live. Mm. And, um, <laughs> I, I, uh, so I have this like idea that I should be able to get down here and like for two hours work on my book and then for an hour work on like some specified project and then like study a score for an hour and then practice banjo for an hour and then or guitar or whatever and then go upstairs and have lunch and then come down and do you know like i have this idea that i should be able to do that because that's how productive successful people are but i can't (laughs) i've like i've never i mean i've I've done it for like a day at a time i just i just can't do it so i feel um, you I feel yeah. you. It, that, that's sort of where I was going with what I was rambling on about, about like over the pandemic, like working too much. And because and the, the, I remember what my point was, is that I, it's come to that point where I actually have to put my devices, I, I turn them off and I put them across the room from wherever the family <laughs> is congregated. 
It's they're all on D and D. They're not going to beep or vibrate at me. And that's what I got to do around seven or eight o'clock at night. So I'm not grabbing my shit all the time and looking, but, but, but that's a part of a bigger problem when it comes to organizing my time. Cause I'm terrible at time management. And it seems like you're, you're, you're I don't, I want to call you terrible because you're obviously doing something right over there, but, but <laughs> yeah, it, I, I just don't do it in a way that seems like like I think about, I seriously, I've seriously had this thought where I'm like, man, I bet Jeff Bezos is better at time management than me. Like I'm seriously, <laughs> like so that's stupid. And hopefully I'm like, you know, I, I mean, hopefully you guys have had thoughts like that too, but like, <laughs> I'm just like, well, why aren't I X? And I think that the reason, why aren't I this person? And this mm. is, and the reason in my mind is because like they're better at organizing their life or they're more focused or mm. whatever. And the real reason is probably a lot more complicated, but, but yeah, that's like, yeah. if I have any depression in my life, that's the source of it is like comparing my to other people yeah, and yes. thinking that someone someone else knows something that i don't know right. or is like able to do something that i can't do you yeah. know yeah. and that, or, the, or that it's not that i can't do it but that like, like i can't do gymnastics like simone biles and i'm like just reconciled to that fact but it's <laughs> not that i can do something that or that i can't do something that someone else can do it's just that i'm not doing something that i could do that someone else is doing, and that's right. why they're successful. And I could do it too if I could just pull it together and right. do it. If I could just you know? get my shit together. <laughs> yeah, if I could just pull myself up by my bootstraps, everything <laughs> would be fine. But um, I just, yeah, I think that's a just kind of a toxic mentality that has been fed to us from like Horatio Alger onward. Mm. And there is a lot of truth to the fact that in a country like the United States, you can work hard and achieve a lot. And that's it's it's more true here than it is other places. It's less true here than it is in some other places, mm -hmm. but but it's definitely on the scale of like global history. This is the easiest time in history to like do something great from nothing. Yeah, but that still doesn't mean that it's easy or even in some cases possible. Right. It's just easier than it has been. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, and, 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 you know, like, I guess it's, it's like, what do you define as great? I mean, what is it that you want to accomplish that, uh, that, it, that, that, uh, that's considered great? I mean, yeah, just like whatever I have done up to this point, mm -hmm. just want to do like one more thing. <laughs> one more thing that's better. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> yeah. So it's this, um, you know, it's part of it is, uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm part Jewish. Uh, my, my fam, my, I'm half Jewish. My, my family is, you know, all sort of artistic people. And so I grew up seeing my parents be professional artists and mm. like have this sort of like feast or famine relationship to money. I mean, they did, they did very well, but it was like, it was never, um, you know, it was just like always a thing because yeah. when you get, you know, when you get paid, when you get like a hundred thousand dollars in one check, mm. that's awesome. But like, if you don't know where the next check is coming from, that's still stressful. Yeah, it, it you know? should, like, or at least you might not get paid be. again for two years. Like, exactly. you don't know. You might get paid again tomorrow. You have right. no idea. Exactly. You know, and so that's like, um, and that's part of I think what part of the neuroses is that like I just you know I just don't always know what the next thing is. Right. And so I always want to be doing something to sort of move that along. And then the balance is finding the place where that's not detrimental to the projects that I'm actually working on. Right. Cause you know, it's very easy to say, well, that contract signed. So let me work on getting another contract rather than <laughs> right. that contract signed. Let me deliver that thing. Right. Yeah. Um, Let's fulfill these orders before we start signing more contracts. It's, yeah. 
Yeah, that I, I, that that is a balance, and it, I mean, even on smaller scales, like for for me, it's like you know, I'm I was mostly a gigging musician, which you know, I put a lot of eggs in those baskets. Shouldn't have did that, uh, but you know, like you couldn't have known, dude. Jesus, of course. But <laughs> as a musician, I as yeah. as an artist who works and lives off of art, and as someone who fucking has a podcast and talks about this shit all the time, I constantly say it's like always have more than one stream of income. As if you're going to be a working artist don't just rely on one gig that you got that's paying the bills now like actively be looking for other forms of income because you know pandemics you know the bar closes fucking the label go runs out of money and they just don't exist anymore it's just that lots of things can yeah. just happen and um and and you got to sort of be prepared and, and at least be in a in a state where you where you can like if you if you needed to you know put more energy towards something to and make that make you more money you know what i mean it's just having just multiple incomes is just it's been super super helpful for for us because my wife is also a working musician and uh an artist as well so you know this is this is what my son's going through now is like seeing those ebbs and flows that you saw where it's like you know sometimes we're eating we're eating well yeah and sometimes it's like all right we're having rice and beans again yay <laughs> you know so it's uh, it, it's it's a weird balance. It really is, and it does create that fa famine mentality. And even if you are, oh my God, what the hell? Even if you are someone who is successful, and you know, it, in your realm, you know, like you still, that's still something that you're thinking about. That's still something that you're mulling over at all times. Still, even though you know you got Emmys and you you work for you know work with Netflix and and NBC and all these great achievements. But yet you're still sitting here being like, well, <laughs> you know, I got, you know, I really got to take it seriously. I really got to make sure that the next thing is lined up. I'm always working towards the next thing, even it's at showbiz, man. You're, yeah. It's showbiz. You're only as good as your last project. That's all there is to it. It's, you know, it's always been like that. It'll always be like that. And that's, that's it. So do you, do you, you like know? that? Do you, do you like that part of the business? Do you, do you enjoy that? No, I would much rather have someone like give me a lot of money and have me be able to do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> I would prefer it. that. I understand. But, I understand. Um, but I think that part of it is that like, because it's, because we're, you know, we're entertainers at the end of the day. Right. Um, and what we have to do is get our, you know, music and art is communication. It's a form of communication. And if your audience doesn't like what you're saying to them, they're going to stop listening. Yeah. So, um, and, and their tastes change over time and you have to keep up with that. And yeah. so, and your tastes change over time. And so you have to find a way of authentically um, delivering that information to your audience and hopefully they will evolve with you. And yeah. one of the things that I always thought of is, you know, I'm a big jazz fan and you listen to, um, and I'm a jazz guitar player, I guess, by, uh, by degree, um, by education. And, you know, you, like those guys uh, like John Schofield who, who puts out an album every year. Mm. Uh, most of the albums he puts out are amazing, but some of them are just like, all right, he tried that. <laughs> it wasn't my thing, right. you know, but like, I'm still going to stick around because I, I, right. I really like what he does, you know? Mm -hmm. And I say, I can say the same thing about any of my favorite musicians, you know, that yeah. like they have, there are some albums that like, I will, I will take to my grave and they will play them at my funeral. And there are, um, and they're like, uh, like hot boy summer. And then there are some albums that, and then there are some albums 
that I, I just don't really care for, but I still love them as a, as an artist. And there's some albums that I don't like when they come out and I like them years later, you know? And so as an artist, you have to be in touch with, <laughs> thank you. You have to be in touch with <laughs> your audience and you have to react to them. And if they don't like what you're doing, you got to do something else. And if you're not communicating with your art, I, I don't know that it's art. Wow. That's uh, can, can you uh, break that down a little? Can you unpack that a little? Yeah, so I um, this is an unpopular opinion that I have, and this is um, uh, of the on the podcast that I host. This is the thing that has gotten me the most angry emails. <laughs> oh so, um, so instead of backing away from it, let me repeat it sure. for your much larger audience. Oh, of course, <laughs> um, Let's do it. But I think that art without an audience is therapy. Mm. If you're doing art for just yourself and you don't show it to anyone, you're not doing art. You're just doing therapy. Yeah. If you are journaling. You're not a novelist <laughs> until you show that to someone and right. it becomes something, yeah. you know, and it's not to say that, like, I'm not saying that that has no value. It might have tremendous value for you, but it doesn't have any value for anyone else. Right. Right. And so that's, and sometimes yeah, that's, that's all that, but, and, 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 and I completely agree with that. And sometimes that's all you need. And that's why if you want to be a bedroom player, you can be the best damn bedroom player you want. Mm -hmm. And, and and take it a step further, like Lucas said, that you've already accomplished. You're the best player yeah. in the room. So, so but and that's totally cool. Uh, but if you are someone who is like, you know, I want to take my music to the masses. I want to like, you know, really get this out there, and it's going to require you playing it for people. Or, you know, it's yeah. going to require well, and the people. difference between me and someone who is trying to do what I do and has been less successful is that I've been rejected more. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Like, yeah. I have put myself forward and lost more times. That is probably the difference. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I, and that's like a, and I understand that for some, for some people, that's a, the idea of putting your heart and soul into something and then sharing it with someone and having them say, eh, or worse yet, nah. <laughs> um, is terrifying and i understand that that is too terrifying for some people to do and i like i completely understand that it is because it is a really really horrible feeling every time yeah. that happens and there you can look on my spotify and find project like there's nothing on there that i didn't think was amazing mm. and there's some stuff on there that you know a couple thousand people have listened to and there's some stuff on there that fucking nobody's listened to <laughs> you know yeah and but uh, and like all of those are my children and i love yeah. all of them and every time i look at like softbank symphonia was this octet that i wrote this is hour-long octet i've recorded it and like every time i open that and see that it's been heard by like less than a thousand people it just it breaks my heart a little bit because i feel like but you know i felt like people would resonate with it and i was wrong <laughs> Right. You win some, you lose some. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Um, and, uh, and so, but that, that, but I leave it up there cause maybe someday someone will stumble across it and it'll, it'll mean something to them, but right. whatever, like whatever thing that some of my other stuff has tapped into this project didn't tap into it. Right. And so that doesn't mean that I quit music. It just means that I move on and do another one and try to right. try to get the other one to be better. Right. It, it, and you just learn, like, that's the thing. It's like failures learning. That's the thing that people fucking forget. And when people are so brittle and that they can't take rejection because a big part of this job is rejection. I mean, even as a podcaster, I'm constantly facing rejection. When I ask people to come on my show and they're just, and they don't respond or there's like, I don't know, or whatever it is, constant rejection, constantly. And, and But you just sort of have to get used to it. It's just part Move of on. it. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, until, well on that kind of shit is, is 
it, that's that's where people really lose their shit is when they're just like, well, I should have got it and blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, buddy, I'm enjoy. Yeah, the amazing thing is, and I don't believe this in really any other context, but in, you know, the, the market knows, like in, mm. in art, and the and the yeah. people who are making decisions know and like I, I've I've lost gigs that I thought I've had that exact feeling where I'm like, dude, I should have got that. I don't know what's up. And then I see the final product and I was like, oh, they're like I their vision was different than I thought, mm -hmm. and like they really did need that person and not me. And I yeah. never would have done that for them. Right. And the way that it came out is great. And then there are some projects where I get rejected and it comes out. And I'm like, eh. Yeah, that really I, didn't work, but what I was going to do wasn't going to make it work much better. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, there's there's a there's a um, I do think in the long run that it's it's a positive experience to be an artist, and even though you get rejected a lot, I think the successes, even if they're very minor successes, like a very minor success, can make up for, for a very major failure. Yeah, totally. I think totally. I mean, but just, at this point, Mike, totally. I'm sorry. I, I I want to pause and I want to. Um, talk a little bit about something that is very passionate to me and that is fire safety. Okay. Oh, um, so it's very important that you change the batteries in the fucking fire alarms in your house. <laughs> oh, you hear that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get a goddamn nine volt battery in a ladder. You know, I was just thinking that the other day. I was no, I heard it this morning because my wife streamed this morning and I'm hearing it while she's talking and I'm just like because there's a little delay, and so you'll hear it. And by this time, we're already used to it. It's just part of the background noise now. And and all of you know, I all of a sudden I hear it come out of the out of the stream, and I'm like, God damn it! I forgot about this stupid thing. Thank you for reminding me again. Uh, no, man. dude. That. When I lived in Brooklyn, the the landlord was notoriously bad at doing that, and like I would wow. do them in my house, but he would not do them in the hallway. Right. And, and so it would be like days, and I I was I mean, it just used to drive me insane. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Those little noises that that can, for some people, they can just you know fade to the background. It, but mm -hmm. for some people, it's just like right up front. I, that that's so strange. Yeah. Everyone's uh, sensitive to different shit, right? Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. man. Because I I can like I said, I mean, I push that back. But like, if I really focus on something, I can hear like. I can hear like a clave click buried in a mix of like a fucking huge, or, you know what I mean? Like a huge orchestrated yep. thing. I can hear this one little tiny clave clicking through in the back, just, you know, per like, like it's like right next to me, it, it, you know, or I can hear how this slightest compression is making this fucking guitar sound great or terrible, whatever mm. it is. <laughs> But I can't Both. fuck it. But but yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I can't. But but this beep just fades into the background for me. Just fades. That's amazing. Well, you know, I I guess we we all choose what we focus in on. I don't know. I guess we don't yeah. choose. I guess I don't know. I don't know. I'm very sensitive. Part of my like musical aesthetic is that I'm very sensitive to ambient sounds, mm. and like, I think about like sort of the space that stuff is in a yes. lot, yeah. and that's just like. That's, yeah, that's just part of my thing. And I, I like, right. one of the things I do all the time is record just like, if I'm in a place that sounds interesting, I'll just record it on my phone. Oh, cool. And I use that stuff all the time. And I don't use it in like a, you know, artsy way. Like I just use it as like textures. And, you know, if mm -hmm. you listen to my music, you probably won't even notice. But right. that's like a thing that I that I do all the time. And I that's, mean, I just, yeah. That's really cool. Uh, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm really sensitive to the sounds of like just places. Yeah, man. Uh, like like uh, this house in particular. I remember I took like a heroic dose of mushrooms one night, and like fucking, <laughs> I was just sitting here by myself, and it was a completely. It was like just me in the house, and I was just sitting by myself on the couch, 
and I start focusing in on like the refrigerator compressor starts going and it's like and then that triggers me hearing like the the aquarium and then that triggers like the the creaking of like a branch outside the window and then I hear like the fireplace roaring and I swear to god I sat there probably for like an hour and a half and by the time I was like realized what was happening there was just this the loudest orchestra of like just room noise in fucking I've ever heard in my life it was amazing cuz like in my head it's just this lot like it was just blaring it, but it was just these small noises that no one gives a shit about. No, you know, like people that only Lucas cares about because he's super sensitive to it. So, you know, like no, but so, everywhere has that richness. I mean, yes. every place in the world on Earth and even in space. Yeah. Probably. Well, who knows? Yeah. But every place on Earth <laughs> has that has that richness uh, um, and that texture visually yeah. and um, and uh, olfactorily and aud audibly. <laughs> and um orally orally that's what i was looking for and it's like you know it's you as a human and this kind of leads into the ai thing a little bit this as yeah, a human beautiful. you have to make very conscious decisions uh, or unconscious decisions about what you pay attention to mm. because there's so much information coming at you at any given time that you can't possibly pay attention to all of it if right. you were a um if you were to just for some if you were to flip a switch and say okay i'm going to consciously make every executable decision in my day, you couldn't even get out of bed right? because you have to decide when you get it. Like when you wake up, you have to decide, all right, well, when I kick my feet over my bed, am I going to land in the ocean and get eaten by a shark? Because there's a chance that that might be water. I can't right. see it from here. Right. Should I tip my head over and look? Because <laughs> if I do, there might be a predator. I might lose my, like, you can't make all those decisions. You just calculate these probabilities. Like probably it's the same as it was yesterday and I can just stand up. Right. Um, and, uh, but, uh, an AI, uh, computer doesn't have to make those compromises. It can, literally take in all the information you can feed it and make probabilistic calculations based on all of it. Yeah. And so it can come up with some really weird ideas that humans would never think of. Yeah. Like what? Uh, like it can like, so in the medical field, it can see um, AI that they use now can see these like really interesting correlations between um, certain people's actions and health outcomes. Mm. Like, uh, you know, like to, to know that, there's a 2% chance of getting some disease or your, your chances of getting some disease are like 2% higher mm. if you drive, you know, more than 30 miles a day. Wow. Right. Like this is a, the kind of statistic a doctor would never be able to figure out because right. it's just too small, but yeah. like a bunch of those become statistically significant, you mm -hmm. know? And, um, th this does, this has nothing to do with music, but that's, this is the kind of stuff that AI is able to do in your everyday life. Yeah. Um, to, uh, to, you know, enhance, you know, enhance professionals, but also to sell you stuff, you know, yes. an advertiser could never figure out that. I, I don't know if you read this, but a couple of years ago, they, they, they did this study where there was this like on th this meaningful correlation between people who had liked the Facebook page for cheese whiz and people <laughs> who had like above average intelligence and were public intellectuals. And obviously these two things are not directly related, right. but there is like some bit of data that you can draw from that. And so, um, so then, you know, maybe you want to advertise masterclass or like, you know, you know, whatever on the page for cheese, right. which the cheese was people nor any advertising executive would ever have thought of. Right. Um, but that just is what it is. And so there's all this like world, there's this world of data that we just don't um, understand and are unable to process that yeah. um, increasingly, 
computers are able to process for us and give us meaningful, uh, statistically meaningful um, conclusions from from these things. So yeah. I don't know. That's part of what I find fascinating, just learning about AI. That has absolutely nothing to do with how AI processes music. But I guess it does a little bit. Yeah, it does, because um, it's I, able to, to, to take in all this information of a history of music, and especially because of, of what you have accomplished with uh, Schubert's um, Symphony Number no. 8. You know, you're able to sort of feed in. Well, instead of me explaining it, why don't we have you explain it? But yeah, well, so here's the other side of that coin that I just said that like they can the AI can draw meaningful conclusions from what else seems like random data or too much data. Mm -hmm. um, is that because we're humans and our art is designed um, by and created for humans, um, our artistic products have a lot of convention and assumptions built into them. So one of the ideas that when we first did the Schubert project, the idea was, you know, we've got all this recorded music. Why don't we give this uh, neural network all of the audio of everything that Schubert ever wrote? And uh, we'll just let it listen to that. And then we'll have it generate things that are similar, right? Seems plausible, right? Yeah. If you could, you know, if you were a human and you spent, you know, the human equivalent of, you know, 15 years just listening to everything Schubert ever did, and then someone asked you to produce music like Schubert, you probably could do it pretty yeah. faithfully, yeah. more or less. Um, but we forgot a couple of key things. First of all, you know, the machine doesn't know what music is. So, yeah. um, you know, it, it does on some level, but it doesn't on the level that, that we know what it is. It's, it's just knows that it's a bunch of frequencies. And so it was a little bit like showing it a photo of a, or showing it like the facade of a skyscraper and saying, make something like this. Hmm. So it might say, okay, well, it should be, you know, 800 feet tall and there should be some glass on the outside. But then you go in it and you realize there's no floors right. or there's no stairs right. or there's no bathrooms, you know, because how would it know how to put any of that stuff in there? Right, you right. can't see that from the outside. And so um, with music, it was, uh, it saw relationships and frequencies that we would never have thought of. And there's also, you know, in inherent in any, piece of recorded music, there are imperfections, um, the, not the least of which is that our system of 12 notes of music is not natural. Mm. So um, to a machine, it doesn't necessarily know that an octave, you know, an octave above A440 should be 880, but in our system, in our system, it is 880, but a C sharp should be uh, about six cents sharper, about two cents sharper than it actually is. Mm. Um, and so a machine doesn't know, you know, those relationships. And it, what happened was we fed it all of this, uh, all of this audio data and it gave us back, uh, we, we asked it to give us back data in MIDI form so that I could just play it, like see it on a piano mm. and it gave us back what we described as cats walking on a piano. <laughs> just like <laughs> complete <laughs> random nonsense, right? And, <laughs> nice. And so, um, you, would you, no, yeah. Before you go on, when you guys were expecting these results, were you guys... Um, had you guys put in a lot of time at this moment or was this something that, I mean, like, because so were you Mick expecting Grierson, something more? I mean, obviously you were, but like how much time did you put into it before you realized this, before you got this result and realized you had to go further? So let me, let me be clear on my involvement. So Mick yeah. Grierson is a brilliant technologist in the UK yeah. had developed this, um, this AI to do this kind of predictive stuff. And he got had gotten it. really good results in other things before this and he'd been doing it for years uh and was and it was and is really really good at that stuff um 
And so he and I became friends when I, it might've been when I was recording Open Your Eyes because I was in London and, mm-hmm. uh, and I just met him through a good friend of mine uh, who's also a professor over there named Rebecca Fiebrink, who is an amazing uh, music technologist. And anyway, so there's all these people, very, very smart people doing really interesting work in this field. And I got lucky enough to hook up with one of them. And Mick and I thought, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we finished Schubert's Unfinished Symphony? And we both kind of left this meeting thinking, you know, I think this was something he was going to do anyway. And I thought maybe I would help, you know, with the orchestration. And we figured this was going to be something that we would play a MIDI mock-up for 10 grad students. And then we'd all drink some beers and that would be that, Um, you know, and someone would write a paper about it and we'd just move on with our lives. And so uh, the, and then I don't know exactly what happened, but Mick got involved with Huawei, the biggest cell phone manufacturer at the time in the world. And they said, can you do this? Can you run this on one of our phones? And, and Mick said, yeah. And I mean, their phone was like a, you know, it was like a, it was like a 12 core phone or something like right. that. It was crazy. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I remember and that. so Mick was like, yeah, sure. We, we can, we can do that. And they realized quickly when they were getting the cats on a piano results that they needed someone to, you know, that putting on a concert was a lot more than someone writing music yeah. and that writing music was a lot more than spitting out some melodies. Right. Right. Um, and so they needed to get a, uh, they needed to get a composer involved and back to our previous conversation, Huawei obviously didn't really know me and I also didn't know anything about them. Yeah. But the fact that I had won two Emmys was the thing that got their marketing department to sign <laughs> off. Like without, they didn't hear a note of music. They just, they were just like, oh, okay, well, if he's done that, then I'm sure he can handle this. Yeah. And that was all there was to it. Wow. And um, so uh, luckily I was also, you know, the, you know, I mean, I guess they, they might have listened to some music, but I, I don't know if they did. Right. Uh, but, but yeah, so then uh, they asked me to do it. And I very quickly uh, realized that the, the AI wasn't really going to be able to, we weren't going to be able to take like MIDI from the AI and just like put it on a music stand, right. that, which is never going to happen. But what we did do was, um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> what we did do was we put, uh, we got the AI to, we, we fed it some simple Schubert. Schubert was one of the most prolific composers in history. He wrote as much. He only was active for 18 years. He died at 32 and he wrote as much in 18 years as J.S. Bach wrote in about 50. Wow. So he was, ridiculously prolific was like scribbling music with one hand while talking to his friends like <laughs> writing constantly. constantly. Yeah. And, um, and so he had, uh, I found, um, like a bunch of wall, several hours of waltzes, just piano waltzes, which were just pure melody. Mm. And I had, uh, my assistants at the time, uh, extract some like melodies and just give the, uh, give the AI monophonic melodies that Schubert had written, like hours of mm-hmm. them. And we extracted stuff from the symphonies and we extracted stuff from his larger works, but uh, we sort of fed it progressively, like really simple stuff and then the more complicated stuff. And then I asked it to give me monophonic melodies back. And that is what we used. Um, and, and then we gave it uh, Schubert's, the, the eighth symphony and said, okay, how would you finish this? Mm-hmm. And so it gave me a bunch of melodies and I, I put them in um, in order basically. And oh, okay. Then, yeah, and that's and then and then orchestrated them, and then uh, Brad Dector was the the ultimate, the final orchestrator on all that stuff, and uh-huh. so the um, but the the result was really fascinating because Schubert, so he he didn't, so Schubert didn't die not finishing this. Well, he did die not finishing the symphony, but he wasn't working on it when he died. He also wrote a ninth symphony. He oh. just stopped working on this one. So <laughs> um, and Later. one of the reasons was that I think it was a little bit modern for the time. Mm. And had he lived, you know, he might have come back to it 40 years later and realized, oh, I can actually finish this in the way that I had envisioned. But 
Um, so, and I, I didn't even really think of that. I realized that when I was started to get back results from the AI that were melodies that I thought were kind of inconsistent with that period of Schubert, but would have been right at home a couple of years later, 30 years later. Mm. Um, and so I, I just decided to lean into that and put them in there and just see what happened basically. And, uh, and I tried to do some orchestration like in the style of Schubert, but really what I was trying to do was make a concert that was going to be interesting. And <laughs> yeah. the, the criticism that I've gotten for that piece, like mm -hmm. the, you know, the like classical music press, like basically universally hated it. And like, <laughs> but they were going to no matter what. So like, yeah. I, I literally went into it thinking like, there is no way like, so there's, um, there's a, there's a guy named Brian Newbold who's a Schubert scholar. You can, he's got, I've, I've got his book on my shelf here. Nice. He's still alive. He's British. And he has done a speculative finishing of Schubert's Unfinished Symphony based on a sketch that Schubert did. And they think that the fourth movement was supposed to be something that he ended up using for something else later. Uh -huh. And he's done this and it's brilliant. And it really does sound like Schubert. And he's like a real scholar who really made it sound like uh -huh. Schubert. And if you ever want to read the most vitriolic YouTube comments you've ever seen, go to Brian Newbold's finishing of Schubert's Unfinished symphony like you would think that he was trying to run for president on a platform of bringing back slavery like he, it is just the meanest shit you have ever seen and so i read that before i before i started and and i uh and i and i just realized i was like okay just brace yourself for the fact that there is going to be a certain number of people who are just going to hate it no matter yeah what. um but what i really tried to do was just make it a concert that a bunch of people could come to and enjoy and they will listen to schubert and then they'll listen to this thing and then they'll walk out thinking that it was a good show and i i think i accomplished that yeah and 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 that that's yeah you you're here to entertain not to like appease like you know 20 people on twitter right it's like what are yeah. we, um the what what's the name of the guy trolls can buy their own food <laughs> i don't exactly <laughs> Get out of here! Wait, but what was the name of the composer you said? Who? Oh, uh, Bri Brian Newbold. Brian Newbold. I have it right. I think I have it right. Yeah. Um, I mean, he wrote. I have a book on Schubert. Yeah, Newbold. I have a book, two books on Schubert here that he wrote. Um, and uh, and I think Brian Newbold's finishing of the Unfinished Symphony is brilliant, and like I, I love it. I think it's really great. Uh -huh. But you you can't the the thing people did ask me this, you know, like you know, do you think this is how Schubert would have finished it? Or like, you know, did you, did you really truly finish Schubert's Unfinished Symphony? And, you know, on the one hand, the project was the intelligence of a dead human being being channeled by a machine and then interpreted by a living human being. And that is a profound thing to do. It is yeah. a profound thing to just think about what that means, that that can happen. But on the other hand, Schubert is dead forever and he yeah. can't finish the symphony. Yeah. Yeah. So like you could finish it any number of ways, right. but we'll never know how he would have finished it. Exactly. So uh, it's interesting that, that people just were like chomping at the bit just to sort of get a piece of that. That's just, you know, it's like, what do you want guys? Like we fed it to a computer and like, you know, I reinterpreted it. Like what do you want? Yeah. I mean, that wasn't their, their, their uh, it was, it was like, you know, it's just, Every, not every critique, but like a lot of the criticism, I think today, I mean, criticism is a sort of an important art form mm. that goes back many years. And it's a hard thing to do. And it's a noble thing to do because you do get a lot of stuff wrong and you end up looking like an idiot as much as the people who you criticize wow. over time. Yeah. You know, basically nobody liked Beethoven's symphonies and like, you know, wow, yeah. the critics, critics yeah. were, I mean, the, 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 the reviews for the ninth symphony were, I guess this one's better than the other eight. <laughs> It's the um, best, but you know, today, who one. are those critics? Nobody knows, but everyone knows who Beethoven is. Absolutely. And, um, and you're you're trying to like as a critic, you're trying to uh, 
you're trying to give your readers or viewers, you're trying to make the world a little bit easier for them and saying like, these are things that, you know, you like my taste. This is what I like. And you should, you know, these are things you should pay more attention to than others. And I totally understand that and respect it. And even when I'm on the wrong side of it, I totally get it. Um, but the, um, but I think a lot of criticism today, especially sort of like internet Twitter criticism is like, you did this in a way that like, I would have done this differently than you, <laughs> right? which is no, not a criticism. <laughs> that's so, not how I would have did it. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not. Like, why did you do t- I think I'm quoting Bill Mars. Like, why did you do it the way you did it instead of the way that I would have done it? <laughs> well, I got nothing to say to that. So, and what you, can you do it? Okay, we got a couple questions here, and, and I want I want to stay on the AI thing because I really I really um I'm really interested in it, and um uh, especially as we're sort of going forward. And I know this isn't your whole career. I know this whole AI mm-hmm. thing is not your whole career, and like this was just sort of like this this footnote but it does seem like it got a, a good amount of attention and it, it is it did, yeah and it's very very i mean it's very fascinating um especially when you think about how things are going with like the neuronet and neuralink and um but but we'll come back to that because i do want to get to penny's questions here because he, okay. they, they they put them in there a while ago so uh rewording my earlier question what song or soundtrack are you most proud of there you go oh man that's a that's a hard question okay uh i'll tell you two things first of all i'm working on a on a score for a film a documentary called failure to protect that's going to be hitting festivals this fall and the score for it is I'm doing it with my favorite string quartet. And I designed all the music to be played individually because I knew we weren't going to be able to record. Mm. And so I was able to do all this really interesting stuff with like delay and ah. effects that I, because when you record a quartet, you can't really get them individually because you record them in the same room. Right. But for this, I was able to get them individually. Ah. Uh, and it's, it's like, I have the, it's not mixed, but like it's pre-mixed. I, I like, I know what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best thing I've ever done. That's tight. So I'm going to release it as a Spotify album. It's uh it's, it'll be called failure to protect. That'll come out like in the fall probably. So um, cool. so that's the thing I'm most proud of. Unfortunately, nobody's heard that <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and nobody can hear it yet, yeah. but yeah, like everything on my, uh, on my Spotify, I think SoftBank Symphonia, if you want something that's like, you can study to it and relax to it. It's, it's really classical music with classical instruments. I'm very proud of that. And I think it's, I think it's cool. Um, I utilized AI to do that also. It's a, oh, and, and I also got to meet Masayoshi-san, the head of SoftBank, as a result of that project, wow. um, who is the richest, one of the richest people in the world. He's worth like hundreds of billions of dollars, something like Which that, versus his, uh, his fund unfa- is. Unfathomable um, amount of money. Yeah, like, yeah. Um, like, I should have charged him more for the piece. Like, no matter <laughs> what I charged him, I could have made it, I could have doubled it, and he would have been like, yeah, whatever. Yeah, um, yeah. So, uh, so that, that piece is, that piece I'm proud of. I'm really proud of the Space Hustle album, too, because that was Hell from yeah. an era, like, I don't perform as much anymore, mm-hmm. and that was, like, back from a time when I did. Wow. And so, like, my playing on that is is better than probably it would have been if I tried to make that album today. So, so I dig that, uh, I dig that one. And, uh, and yeah, I'm proud of, uh, musically, those are the, those are probably the things I'm the most proud. I'm proud of Open Your Eyes. I'm proud of everything that I've released publicly. So, um, uh, yeah, Open Your Eyes is really cool if you want like something epic and you want to feel like, you know, if you're like on mushrooms and you want to like take a journey, just like darken the room and listen to that album. I like that. That's, yep. that's my shit. That's my shit. Yeah. Uh, the second question by Penny is, or, uh, uh, is my dad traveled and I was mom's date for classical when he did. What is your favorite classical? Thank you for sharing that too, Penny. I appreciate that. Oh, thank you. Uh, my favorite 
composer to whose music to hear live is probably Tchaikovsky. Oh. I, I mean, I, it'd be hard to pick. I mean, I also love, uh, if you guys, um, like, I can give you a list of, like, stuff that if you go see it at a concert, you will absolutely love it. Mm. Like, just any human being will love it. Because, mm. you know, if you don't know about classical music, you're kind of rolling the dice when you go to a concert. Because you might walk into some weird-ass stuff, <laughs> right? And, seriously. Yeah. There are, like, because art requires experimentation, mm. there are sometimes entire concerts of pieces of music that, like, are just kind of hard to listen to for me yeah, um, right. and for everybody. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but stuff that you will never be disappointed with is uh, Tchaikovsky. Anything Tchaikovsky does is just beautiful and amazing. And one great thing to notice is if you ever go see a program where it's Tchaikovsky and some other composer, you'll notice that the orchestra, the same orchestra sounds bigger when they're playing Tchaikovsky, Tchaikovsky's music. And that's a testament to his orchestrational skill. And he's a, uh, if you start digging into this kind of things that Tchaikovsky wrote, you'll realize that you've been hearing his music your whole life and maybe not realized it. Uh, a good example is, I mean, obviously I think most people know he wrote the Nutcracker. So mm. he scored your Christmas <laughs> for your entire life. And he also wrote, uh, if you've ever seen Sleeping Beauty, the um, the sort of title song of that is, I die, walk with you once upon mm. a dream. So that's actually a Tchaikovsky melody that they oh. just appropriated into a Disney song. Um, <laughs> so that, Tchaikovsky is amazing. The the piano concertos, uh, yeah, anything that Tchaikovsky does, you should go see. Dvorak is probably my other favorite composer mm. um, for uh, like orchestral classical music. He was uh, um, he's amazing. Is uh, a Czech composer, I think. Is that right? Sounds right. I hope I'm right. Uh, and his uh, and he was you know early 20th century, late 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 19th, early 20th century, and just really like just. It's just re really good, and he's. I think that I think that Dvorak might be the best composer at endings, hmm. and uh, that was. I tried to emulate the ending to his. Uh, I think his New World Symphony when I did the unfinished. Um, I because I just I just love. You know, there's just nothing better than a big ending yeah. when you see classical music. You yeah. know, just why not? Why not? Like you know, you want to have the biggest ending possible. That's that's what I what I always go for, and that's what Dvorak went for. So yeah, I would say Tchaikovsky and Dvorak, and but you know, anyone whose name you've heard, anyone whose bust you can buy at a music store, you won't be disappointed. Moving Dutchman, thank you so much for that host. Handel, is that how you say it? Handel scored our lives as well. I don't know who that is. I'm Handel, yeah. Handel. Oh, you're talking about the Messiah, but really, it's only the Messiah. Oh, that's Handel. So, um, you know, the, the joke is that musicians get, uh, the musicians like orchestral musicians are like, Oh, I have to play the Messiah again. And Handel's like, yeah, you're welcome for paying your rent for the month of December <laughs> for your entire life. <laughs> Cause the Messiah, that's one that like you get that gig and you play it 30 times in a month. Yeah. 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 You, you play it more than you hear it on the radio. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> all right. So the, the, yeah, good to see you too. Lovely. Welcome. Moving Dutchman. Good to see you, my friend. Welcome in. Um, yeah. So the, 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 AI thing, I kind of wanted to go back to. Have you ever read anything by uh, Yuval Noah Harari? Yeah. He um, he wrote this book. I, I don't know. He might have talked about it in his other books as well. But um, the one the one that sticks out to me that relates to AI is uh, off of 21 Lessons for the 21st Century in where he talks about how AI... Um, because, you know, there's this idea, and even in your TED Talk, I think you're like, uh, music only has emotions because people put emotions to it and and they attach it to ideas and memories. Well, music doesn't have emotions. People have emotions. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. My bad, my bad. Uh, I got... <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm summarizing your entire TED talk wrong. There you go, everybody. Uh, no, this is good. close enough. <laughs> close enough, fucking okay. yeah. uh, cares about details. He did more, but yes. Um, okay, Penny, Penny's over here getting spicy. Um, but, but, but the, I wish I could see the comments. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sad that I can't. No, uh, it's. <laughs> It, it's on the website. You can, but all right. it's all okay. I mean, we're we're almost done now, so <laughs> here we are. Uh, but but this uh, but but in that book, he talks about how um, you know that AI is going to reach a point, especially once it becomes sort of intertwined with us, where we're going, especially with with what Elon Musk is doing with Neuralink, the Neuronet. Um, they're saying how AI is going to be able to. Uh, not only compose music, but it's going to be able to compose music for people, like specifically for people and for times of your, for, for any time of your life you want it for, because it has access to memories and it has access to emotions. And, it, and, and then it'll be able to sort of put together this profile of a song that fits this moment perfectly for 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 what's going on in your life now is that something that you you would agree with i mean i know it's hard to be like yes that's what's going to happen because it's oh yeah you, you, that's an i did not i have not read 20 uh, one lessons for the 21st century uh, but is that, if that's in there that that's like also in my book <laughs> so, so I'm, I'm writing a book right now that exact thing is in there wow it's, uh, amazing. it's described pretty much the way you just described it and yeah in in, in theory ai should be able to do that a computer should be able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, although I, I don't know, and uh, I'll preface this by saying that Yuval Noah Harari on like a top 10 list of smartest living humans and maybe a top 20 list of smartest humans ever, he's mm. probably on it, yeah, right? And he knows more than I do about basically everything. He's probably a better orchestral composer than I am. He's a historian. He's a historian, but he's a better composer as well. <laughs> so yeah, this is just like with all, I, I just, I just want to be clear how much I love his work and how much I he's respect excellent. his writing and his opinions before I say the next thing, which is that, <laughs> um, is that futurism is just an inherently flawed art form. So a historian, I don't know if it's even an art form, but a historian can look back and the, the idea of historians is to look backwards and see the path that we walked and how we got to where we are, right? If we're mm -hmm. gonna use the metaphor of wandering through a desert, which is appropriate because he's Israeli, mm -hmm. right? And so um, so it's to look back and see the path. And um, But when you're looking back at history, you're only seeing the paths of a few people. You're only seeing the paths of the people who were recorded and the people who we remember. Mm -hmm. So. Um, and when you're looking back at the immediate past, which is the past that we, you know, in our living memory, it just looks like a bunch of like nonsense footsteps going in all different directions all over the desert. And it's impossible to tell which direction it's going, mm. right? You can't tell, like you could say, okay, we're going to continue on the trajectory that we came from, but it's also possible that we'll take a hard right turn right. or that we'll just start going backwards <laughs> or that we'll get on a spaceship and go up. Like no, you, you have no idea. There's no way to predict with any kind of accuracy the direction that society or technology or um, anything is truly going to take. You can say that it's likely going to go this way, it's likely going to go that way, but history is filled with people who have been wrong about that. And yeah. I'm running into this problem with um, the, the book that I'm writing right now is like a natural history of music. And I start 40,000 years ago, and everything is pretty clear and easy to follow and a narrative until you get to about 1877, which is when stuff starts to be recorded. Mm. And then... Like, I, I, I can't make sense of it all because all this stuff was happening at the same time. And we have data for all of it. And what, um, 
you know, a common thing to think is like, you know, people in the 19th century were so much smarter than us and they were better writers than us. And like, listen to the music that came out of the 19th century and the 18th century. But the reason that we have that bias is because we don't remember the crap. Like it wasn't recorded. <laughs> right. So like, you know, you there, there were people in the 19th century that wrote volumes and volumes of totally meaningless, shitty books that people <laughs> consumed because they were available. But those things did not get preserved mm. and certainly not preserved in the popular memory. So it looks like the only people who wrote music in the 17th century were Mozart, Beethoven, and Schubert. Right. Um, but the reality is much different. And the reality is that there were probably as many people proportionally doing it then as there are right now. But in 1877, with the invention of recording, we just have all this stuff. And so, um, you know, jazz is developing at the same time as rock and roll, which is developing at the same time as this sort of folk music revolution. And then uh, electronic music is the developing at the same time as, uh, you know, whatever you want to call what the Beatles did and Pink mm. Floyd did. And then all of this stuff is developing in a parallel way. And it's impossible to tell like what all of it means because we're just not there yet. Uh -huh. So for, my entire point in saying this and that is that like, while I respect Noah, Yuval Noah Harari's predictions about what might happen with AI in the future and that they are definitely based on well-reasoned, well-researched uh, thoughts, propositions, and information, he's just guessing as much as anybody else. Yes, yes. Very educated guesses, but guessing <laughs> yeah. nonetheless. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and then so like, what... I mean, how do you see sort of all of this? How how do you see the path to getting to this i to this idea then that you're covering in your book, and and Yuval covered in his book? Which, by the way, he didn't. That was just like one little section. It wasn't like the whole sure. thing. It was like a. It's little not a big part of my book either. But the 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 idea of you're, you're, back to the original question of the idea of music being created by an AI mm -hmm. that is going to be more satisfying to humans yeah. than music created by another human. I think that, I mean, this is kind of what my TED talks about, that once we, you know, music is not, if someone asks you, like, you know, you, I got headphones on right now. If you were to come into this room and say, uh, what are you listening to? And I answered you by saying, I'm listening to music that was recorded uh, in primarily large condenser microphones that was run through a nickel plated wire board in uh, London, the United Kingdom. You would, that would, I mean, that's, that's right. That's the answer to what you asked. But what you really want to know is who am I listening to? Right. I'm listening to the Beatles, you right. know, and um, and that's and the, both those answers mean the same thing. But like the Beatles have an emotional connection to basically everybody mm. and everybody who's ever heard of them, even if that connection is I hate the Beatles. Right. It's still an emotional connection. Absolutely. And there is um, like, you know, you can underscore someone's life, which is, I think, what Yuval Noah Harari is describing with uh, with music that is created in the moment. But the real value of music is that it exists over time. And so um, if you're... You, and he's right that if you're born and this is what music is from day one, then that's just what music is going to be. And then music will at that point have evolved into a different thing than mm -hmm. it was when we used to make it ourselves. Right. So in that sense, like, yes, it'll still be an organization of, uh, you know, energy particles that vibrate between 20 and 20,000 Hertz, mm. but it won't be the same thing that we used to call that you and I would recognize as music. Right. And I, I just, I don't know that that's, um, I don't know that, having music be that is beneficial to anyone and the problems that one would have to solve in order to make music truly accessible and as good as human music are just frankly not profitable to solve yeah. um you know it's not like i don't know what you're going to do with a with an electronic orchestrator because <laughs> right. you're 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 taking 
it's just it's just not that. I mean, how much would you pay? There are not a lot of people who would pay any amount of money for that, and it is a huge endeavor. Mm. Um, so yeah, I, I think that music, on the one hand, is you know, once AI can have a compelling story mm. about its a compelling origin story, people are going to be interested in listening to that music. But I think that we're not going to stop listening to other human created music. Yeah. But uh, I am currently right now engaging in futurism and I could be wrong also. Right. Right. But, but I mean, it's, it's fun. I I mean, like for the most part, futurism is just fun to think about, you know, like to sit there and, and think that what Kurzweil, Kurzweil is saying is, is what's going to be, you know, is, is you know, no one fucking knows. It's just, it's really fun. And like, yeah. it's, it's really fun to see that guy like eat like a big pile of vitamins. <laughs> Have you ever no, seen so, I mean, his, I love Kurzweil's writing too, but it has a fatal flaw, which is that once he dies, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, all his predictions are going to be seen to be false. Cause one of his main predictions is that he's never going to die. Yeah. I'm going to be so, forever. That's why I take all these um, vitamins. Yeah. But I mean, well, you know, there's, we'll uh, it is, it is, it's bold and interesting to make the prediction like, yeah, I'm never going to die because of technology. But, you know, if you don't, you'll, you will be the first. And also, I mean, this is a completely separate discussion, but man, 70, 80 years seems like enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I'm, 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 I think at that point I'll be, I'll be like, wow, that was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's like my, my okay. fucking back hurts now. I think I'm ready to fucking just <laughs> lay down forever. Now. Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> my shoulder hurts and shit. Yeah. It's crazy. Now, you know, as technology sort of, you know, technology and music sort of develops and, and like we touched on it just a little bit, but like at the beginning where we're just talking about how like, Technology has come so far is that now when you these these like Netflix when they're looking for a composer they're looking for a guy that can just you know is really good on fucking MIDI and it's like and it's one person and it's in and it could be remote it doesn't have to be all taking place in LA it could be some guy out in in Oregon and no that's not that's not what they're looking for oh okay they're looking bad. for they're looking for a department head ah they're looking for someone who can deliver them. The thing that they need. Ah, I see. I see. And that's that's it. So like they that Netflix. So it's is not cheap. it's not looking for a cheaper because the way I saw it, nope. and the way I was taking it was that they're looking for a, a a cheaper way to sort of budget music into the into the no. overall. Netflix product. does not skimp on product, and Netflix pays better than anybody. Right so on. Netflix is not. They are they are not looking to like build their business on the backs of underpaying artists. They are exactly <laughs> the opposite. And I can, like, I mean, when Netflix calls, I drop everything. I will wow. do anything for them. And they have always like dealt, they've always dealt with me and everyone that I know with like a level of fairness that is way above and beyond what we would expect. Wow. You know? And so they, so they're, yeah, they're the exact opposite of that. They are wow, the reason that they come to me is not because I'm one guy who can do something cheap. It's because I'm a guy who they know, who can deliver, like, if I tell them I can deliver something to them, they can, mm. they, they know that I will. Right. So, you know, they'll say, Hey, I, we've never heard you do anything with a big band, but can you handle this? And I'll say yes. Or if I can't, I'll say no and right. say, but I, I've got to, I know someone who can, and you know, they don't, what they don't want is they don't want to deal with the details of like, you know, who am I going to hire to play the horn? Who am I going to get to the, like, what they want right. is just hear it and have it be banging. Hmm. But they also are completely like, if I'm just like, this is what I want to do. This is what it's going to cost. I'll say, that sounds good. Wow. You know, yeah. like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll pay for it. That sounds great. And, um, then, and then, so then 
where so then they're just looking for someone who can just just get the job done however that's done it doesn't matter where it comes from as long as you can yeah. deliver it and and it's creative play at a very high level what they mm -hmm. want is to like get the thing that they're that we're all imagining right yeah. they want to get the thing they're imagining and they put together a team of people who can make it happen yeah and so when i when i do something for netflix it's usually me and someone from the music department and someone from the editorial department and we're all you know good and have done this many times mm -hmm. and are trying to make the best possible product so that uh viewers like it mm -hmm. and you know we 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 i know I, i'm only speak for myself but i take a lot of pride in like someone seeing a promo for netflix that i did and getting really hyped up to see the product because that's yeah. not you know that doesn't happen by accident that's like right. we very passionately put everything we've got into something like that exactly. and so when someone is like excited for it that that was the goal mm. you know yeah um and uh, and Netflix does a great job of just fostering that culture of like what you should be focused on is making the thing you're doing awesome. That's awesome. Which which you know that that seems like um, is that something that is I mean because the way you said that about Netflix and the way you described how they treat you guys you know you're you're alluding to that you haven't had such a great and welcoming. Um, you know, reception in the past with other, maybe working with other studios and, you know, I'm not asking you name names or anything like that. No, but I'm it's, saying it's, it's not like that. So it's like business is kind of done here a certain way. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like if you came to my house for dinner and I served you like a really great dinner and it mm -hmm. was really great and you loved it and you were like, Oh, that was awesome. And then you went over to someone else's house and they like hired a chef and like, you know, have a dining room that floats in their pool. You know, like it's just, it's, just, it's not that like other networks, I mean, th there are like, I mean, I have some, I have worked for some clients who have screwed me. That has happened. Yeah. And they're all the usual suspects that you would expect. Mm. And there is like a sort of buyer beware culture in some of these, uh, for some of these companies and we know who they are and you just try to get the shit up front in a contract and you know, you just deal with it the best that you can. Wow. Like th there are some that are better than others, you know, mm -hmm. but Netflix is like, uh, Netflix is like far above the best possible mm -hmm. situation. And yeah. so, um, but, but the, I mean, the, you know, the, re the majors are all like, they're all ultimately good to work for because mm -hmm. they all ultimately, their goal is to get some, to make something good. Right. You know? And so if you, and I, I'm at a point where I can, you know, I'm not, I can't like make demands, but I can, I can, I can negotiate for more than I used to be able to negotiate for, yeah. if that makes any sense. And so, uh, but yeah, there, you know, of course, like, like any corporation, some of the big companies in, in LA, you know, they, they want to get the most they can get for the least amount of money, like mm -hmm. anybody. Mm -hmm. So, um, so that's, so that's where they come from. I, I feel like, uh, but for the most part, they're all like, I haven't had any like really terrible experiences. I think the one that I got that was probably the worst was the Lord song. Mm -hmm. And I was working with a big reputable publisher on that. And I just, I, I just didn't get included on the back end of that, wow. which if I had, it would have been a completely different thing. But at the time, the deal that I signed at that time made perfect sense mm. because I had been working on this thing. Nobody had ever heard of Lord yeah. and the thing that we made it for, it didn't land. Right. So like, I just wanted to get paid because I'd spent a couple days on this and I wanted to get some money. Yeah, yeah. And so I, so I signed what at the time was a totally reasonable deal. And they might have known that Lord was about to break and they might not. I really mm -hmm. don't know. Like at that point, like, yeah, so they yeah. might've known that I was signing a terrible deal, but it is like not actually incumbent on them to tell me right. if that's the case, yeah. you know? And I, I don't, I don't like, I don't, 
I've worked for them since, and I don't right. begrudge them for doing that. Right, you're not holding um, some regret. Like, I could have been more. <laughs> I could have been more than this. I could have got uh, paid I mean, yeah, on the back end. I could have probably made more money, but right. you know, that was, like, really the beginning of yeah. my career as a, like, composer, mm -hmm. as a composer who, like, that was really the beginning of my career. So of, it like, wasn't such phase a... Phase of my career, so... And and that's, like, not a... That's not such a bad deal when you think about it as, as you're starting a career because anybody who starts something, most of the time you start at a spot that, you know, you start at the bottom and you fucking have mm -hmm. to claw your way up unless you know somebody, which is very helpful, too. Yeah. No, I mean, I, 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 I did that, too. It's just mm -hmm. this was just one of the big step-ups was of that course. thing. And I also, like, to be very clear, like, they did pay me. Like, they paid me market rate to do that. So yeah, it's yeah. not like they, yeah, it's like they, they screwed, screwed me out of anything. Over. Like I just, it just like turned out to we be got him. more than we got him. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and, I, and I think it turned, it turned out to be a bigger hit than they thought too. So, yeah. you know, it just, it just is what it is. Hey. But, uh, I mean the real winners for that, I think were tears for fears because, mm. <laughs> you know, they wrote that song originally and then yeah, it just yeah. had this like renaissance and, right. you know, they own all the, all the back end on that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Tears for fears cashed in on that one, huh? Yeah. Um, okay. We got one more question and then, uh, I think, I think we're going to cut you loose here, bud, because, um, cause it's been over, well, gotta over. get back to the babies. Gotta get back to the babies, baby. Uh, okay. Lucas, uh, you are what I hope to be. Oh, that's nice. People have asked <laughs> me to, to soundtrack. I just need to pay for a roof and food for people. Question: uh, Do you respect people that gave up on gave up dreams to take care of people? Oh, I, I, I okay. So first of all, I respect people on an individual basis. <laughs> so I don't have like a blanket disrespect for any like class of people. Mm. So I, uh, I treat people <laughs> with the respect they treat me with generally, and I start very high. You know who I don't respect. <laughs> No, so I'm not going to finish the so, sentence. So let me just let me just like disagree with the premise of that question, and then um, also say uh, first of all, thank you, and that is like you know obviously very encouraging to hear and very kind words. Oh, and, mighty, mighty. thank um, you so much. And I, for that, that and, I, and I think that you're, um, I, I, you know, it depends on uh, like what what I want to say to you is that like because you're taking care of kids and taking care of people, and you know, being a provider, like that doesn't mean that this door is closed to you forever. Mm -hmm. You know, and there are certainly things you can do to stay in the game. There are also things you can do that in the music business that are extremely profitable. You know, um, most of them take place in Los Angeles. And this is one of the things that I that I tell people is that, like, if you live in, you know, the middle of nowhere, if you live somewhere other than New York or L.A. or Austin or Nashville and you are a music professional who makes money doing it, you are an anomaly. You know, like and so like you, it seems like like Mike, it seems like you're an anomaly. You know, well, like, it's not like there's like a ton of people living where you live no. who are like, you know, making awesome music all the time. People don't come crazy. to Toledo, Ohio to make yeah. music and live. <laughs> make so a living like, I would never say that you can't make a career living right. wherever you're living, because obviously you can, but you're an anomaly. And you're like, if you're not living in a place where this stuff happens, you're just making an already remote possibility more remote. Mm. So, yeah. um, so if you're, but yeah, if you're like providing for your, I mean, you've, I've got to provide for my family too, you know, like I do, like there are gigs that come through the door that I maybe don't want to do, but like if they pay a lot, I got to do them. Yeah. And, um, and so, and, uh, and I've, I, I'm lucky that I've gotten to the point where those gigs like often involve making music, but yeah. you know, sometimes it's stuff that, you know, I'm not going to sign my name to at the end of the day. That, that happens, you know? um, and, uh, and, and there's a, I have a track in a Brexit commercial. 
<laughs> I did it. I did it for a library. I did, and one of the clauses in the library is that you, you know, you waive moral rights. So, like, Whoa. once you do it, they pay you, and they can sync it wherever they want. Right. So, you know, um, and there's there was a there was a uh, about that. Um, and this is you know without going into the politics, I'll just say that the person in question was not a fan of Donald Trump, yeah. and there was a video that he released that was like this. Um, it was just this like after January 6th, like it was like this video about like how great he was and the music in it was a library track that someone I know wrote. Oh. And so I'm just like, man, like on the one hand, he probably got paid. Right. But on the other hand, like, you know, it's hard to see your like work go to, towards something that, you know, that you don't, uh, right. in his case, something that he didn't believe in. So, yeah. um, yeah, yeah but the, um, and I, and just for the record, I'm not pro Brexit, but I did have some music in a Brexit commercial. <laughs> it um, just happened that so, way. <laughs> yeah. I don't really have a dog in that fight particularly, but yeah, I mean, um, but yeah, the, I, I think that to, who was the person who asked the question about, uh, that was Penny. Penny was asking the question. Penny. Yeah, man, you're doing all right. Like, yeah. you know, the most important thing you can do is have a family and you can be an artist anytime, you know, I mean, you can, you got to work on it. You got to maintain your stuff. You got to maintain your network. You got to maintain your skills. Mm. But if you become the person who has a family who like, you know, has a, has a sort of grown family and you have like more time now to dedicate to your art and you have a little bit more experience, maybe that gives you an edge over someone who didn't do that, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So I wouldn't, uh, I would say, yeah, mad respect. And like, also don't count yourself out just because what you're doing right now isn't exactly what you envisioned that you would be doing. Yeah. Life is fucking weird. Very weird. Very weird. Yeah. I did not think I'd be back in Toledo, Ohio. I, I lived in San Diego for 13 years and that's where I planned on living for the rest of my life. Uh, and now I'm back here. So <laughs> yeah, man. people, people don't move out of San Diego. Jeez. It's hard. That's, that's paradise. It, it's hard to get out of there, man. It's just, nah. it's also hard to be productive there too, because all you want to do is barbecue and like day drink. So it's like, uh, yeah. it's, it's a weird place. Um, book society is the podcast that you, that you have. And I know we're going to let you go here, but can you just give us a quick rundown just for anybody who might be interested in, in checking it out? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's podcast called book society. It's it's, um, so every week I talk to a distinguished guest, either, you know, someone who you might know or someone who you should know, or just someone who I know who's cool. And, uh, <laughs> the guest picks a book. Uh, I read it, the guest reads it and, uh, we talk about it. And, you know, the idea is that it's, uh, I try to get them to pick something that they know a lot about or a book that is foundational to them. And we just talk about it. And sometimes it is like pretty in-depth literary criticism. And sometimes we mention the name of the book and then just talk about something else and you, you know but it's always an interesting it's always an interesting guest and it's always a it's a good time and uh it started because i really like reading and during the pandemic i found myself like talking about books with my friends on zoom mm -hmm. and i was just like i should just hit record and then you know edit these and then we'll have podcasts yeah so yeah. um and that's what yeah, i've got some i've got some really good guests yesterday yesterday friday i interviewed a guy named george dyson who is a uh, author and makes badarkas and is all a badarka is like a like a alouette kayak and he's also um a, a historian of technology and he talks about the origin of computers oh, wow. and how computers were born and how they were made in uh you know they were really conceived at the institute for advanced studies in princeton and he is an interesting person to do this because his uh he is the son of freeman dyson who is one of the uh central figures in the manhattan project oh. was a lifetime resident of the uh, Institute for Advanced Studies and is really one of the scientists whose world we are living in today. Wow! And so it's a it's a really interesting. Um, he was a really interesting interview. He wrote some really great books that I like, and he's a really fun guy. So that's that's coming out in a couple of weeks. That's amazing. Uh, and yeah, back to the Bible hating. The last book, the episode that's coming out, 
uh, on Friday. It's a two-parter. Um, the first part came out last Friday. was about a book called Some Mistakes of Moses, which was written by a man named Robert G. Ingersoll in the 1890s. And he used to travel the Chautauqua circuit talking about how, well, there are inconsistencies in the Bible. And he uh, was making the same arguments that like Sam Harris and Daniel Dennett make mm-hmm. 100, 100 years before wow. they were around. And like going into like, you know, a Baptist church in Mississippi <laughs> and like doing this speech, you know? <laughs> and uh, yeah, just so it's interesting stuff. And it really, he just goes through and catalogs like the Bible says this and it mm-hmm. also says this. So which one of these things is true? Like right. if you if you want to say you believe every word in the Bible, you have to answer these questions. Right. So um, it's interesting. It's interesting stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, and, and honestly, I, I, I find the Bible very interesting in just in, in it. If you sort of like detach yourself from like, you know, any kind of religious or moral attachment to it, you you do find sort of these uh, really interesting ancient truths about just what who humans are, you know, and and, um, and you probably know about Jordan Peterson, but like he does this really interesting um, breakdown of of certain verses of the Bible where he goes in and sort of gives them, gives his own sort of like critique and just sort of understanding of it. Um, if you can, if you can separate, you know, the controversy, controversy. Yeah, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not touching any opinion on Jordan Peterson. <laughs> so I know God bless America. Let's just move on. from, from that. Um, uh, no worries. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, but yeah, man, I mean, the, as, as something to be taken literal, I, I have a hard time to get, get put my head around that, but as something to sort mm-hmm. of like glean ancient truths about humanity, I think it's a great, great resource for that. Yeah. If in your favorite aspects. character in game of Thrones is Ramsey Bolton, then you will love the old Testament. God, <laughs> old Testament gods is your shit. Yeah, man, Ramsey or even Joffrey. God, my yeah, God. Yeah, yeah. If you find yourself rooting for the Lannisters, and, <laughs> then, then yeah, Yahweh is your dude. Um, <laughs> Yahweh is your homie. All right, yeah. uh, dude, Lucas. This was so great. I had such a great time chatting with you, and uh, thank you so much for your for your your time and your 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 insight and your your good humor. Uh, I think you fit in perfectly here. So thank you so much. I, I really do appreciate it. And uh, man, uh, I, again, how can people get a hold of you? And uh, I'm going to drop your links in the show notes here. Yeah, uh, Book Society Pod is the Instagram that I have nothing to do with, but is related to my podcast. Because yeah. um, I previously said that I, I am really not on social media. But if you want to reach me, you want to argue with me about the Old Testament God or talk to me about a book you read or listen to my podcast and tell me what an idiot I am or... Uh, ask me about how your music is or send me some of your music and I'll listen to it. Mm. You can do so through my website, which is lucascantormusic.com. So um, I encourage anyone to reach out to me and, you know, it doesn't have to be a big thing. You just be like, hey, I heard you on this podcast. I want to ask you a question. That's simple. And then we'll have like a real connection. That'll be, that'll be fun. This is, this is what I'm trying out in uh, 2021. We'll see if it works. Why not, man? Oh, you know what? We did have one. What's your favorite recent read? There you go. Mm. Oh, my favorite recent read. Uh, Whew. All right, I'm gonna look at my shelf. So I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna cheat. Uh, oh, uh, Wonderworks. 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 Here, I'm gonna I'm gonna get it. Okay. So, so if you are into uh, books and stories and history, Wonderworks Angus Fletcher is uh, it's brand new and it is just a fantastic fantastic book. Um, another one I'm gonna plug because that's this is this is current. Mm-hmm. Um, Angus is also going to be a guest on my podcast oh, right. in uh, a couple of weeks and another one that, Oh no, I gave it away. So there's another book 
called Art and Fear. And I, I, uh, I advise anyone who is um, an artist or wants to be an artist or thinks of themselves as an artist to read Art and Fear. Um, it's 90 pages. It's been around for about 30 years. And my, my literary agent was a guest on my podcast. And that was the book oh. he picked. So that's the episode with Peter Ruby, which is like, I don't know, two episodes ago. Um, and the reason I gave it away is because someone in my neighborhood listens to the podcast and they were just like, they literally just stopped me on the street and were like barking at me about this episode. Oh, that's crazy. And so I just gave them my copy of the book. Um, that, that's so, uh, amazing. so yeah, Art and Fear as a, as an old book and Wonder Works as a current book. I um, highly recommend both of them. The, the, the uh, uh, War of Art. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, I'm familiar Pressfield with it. and then uh and, and then Stephen King's book I thought on writing was just absolutely yep. amazing as well. Like if anybody's ever interested in anything like that. War of Art I have some I have some uh I have some personal problems with. It's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um. oh, okay fair enough, fair enough well i mean if you i mean that's the thing about these books is like you can you can look they're presenting the information that works for them and so if if, right. if, if it's more just like glean what you what's useful for you and like and then everything else if it doesn't work it doesn't work but if it was presented like that then mm. that would be fine right but it's not presented like that <laughs> Pressfield it's presented does. as like a system yeah for you know and like that's that's i have a problem with well that. you mean, have a problem with it because you have a problem with like you know having sort of a system in play in your life as well right like no i well that's that's well i mean i have a system it's just i wouldn't recommend my system to other people it's what works for me you know and this is like i have a i have a problem with i mean it's the it's the whole charlatan mm. mentality of like you come to a town yeah. you tell people i have a surefire way to do yes. something just buy my book and then if it works for them great and if it doesn't great and the, you know, the, <laughs> the trick money. of yeah fuck it i'm gone so <laughs> right. who cares um right. but the you know the trick with like with all of these things is like um with the with these courses is that once someone pays you know two on twenty five hundred dollars to take your course like if it works for them, they're going to say that it's great. If it doesn't work for them, they're going to be too embarrassed to say anything. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a mean trick. And one of the things I do is I collect fountain pens Mm. and you don't find bad reviews for fountain pens generally because like good fountain pens are expensive. And once you've paid $150 for a pen, you don't want to tell the internet that it sucks and you got, (laughs) and you got duped. Yeah. You just say what's good about it and move on with your life. So um, so yeah, I think that there's like just a huge selection bias in whether or not those things work. And yeah. I find them to be, you know, uncomfortable at worst uh, or uncomfortable at best and irresponsible at worst. Yeah. I can see that. Especially like books like the secret, like that book is just like, it's just it's horrible. It's just like, I yeah. mean, it's, it's interesting and there's some truths to like that, but like just putting your shit on a vision board and just sitting there waiting for the good times to roll in is <laughs> stupid <laughs> there's there's no truth to that like there's like the manifestation is visualization like it is an important part of is a, is a, a very small important part of mm. immediate success like if you're uh, in the wings of a stage mm. and you're about to go out taking a deep breath and just picturing yourself doing a good job yeah. is is great mm. however like that's not going to get you to the point where you're at the wings of the stage right. Right. like that will get you from the curtain to the podium that's not right. going to get you from your bedroom to the, to the opera house or wherever you are. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I, a little bit like manifested, you know, like I really wanted to do uh, a TEDx talk. Like mm-hmm. I really, you know, I had done some talks at technology conferences mm-hmm. and I really wanted to do something in that style where it was like, you know, just me on a stage and there wasn't a corporate sponsor. And I really wanted to do that. And I did find a way to do it, but the, 
it wasn't because I manifested the energy of wanting to do that. I did that to some degree, but I also had like some experience. I had a really good topic. Uh, I present well. I'm a good public speaker. It's a thing that I've worked on for many, many years. And like, so it was all like that had a lot more to do with it than the fact that I thought I could do this. <laughs> no? Yes, yes, indeed. So, yeah, I, I just, I have this conversation with my wife a lot because she also is a big into manifestation. I'm like, yeah, I think probably what you manifested was you know like you've, you've been trying to get good at music you've been working on music for 20 years that's probably why it started to work out not because you thought not because you bought the secret you know exactly yeah I, I know exactly what when I started becoming successful at music and it was when I quit drinking so. <laughs> <laughs> word <laughs> yeah. alright Lucas thank yep. you so much we could go all day uh, I'd love to have you back on again in the future if you're if you're available I mean you're a busy guy so uh, but you know uh, I'm never too busy for this man this is fun yeah I had a blast all right well lucas thank you so much for your time and you have a great rest of your day sir and and go out there and and, and compose us something great sir <laughs> you too working on it all right all right man all right. peace i'll see you later Thank you, Lucas. I really appreciate you coming on the show, sharing your ideas and thoughts and truths. You can find Lucas at lucascantormusic.com. Go check him out. Go check out his, uh, his, I mean, if you check out his IMDb, it's out of, it's out of, it's insane. Insane. Uh, yeah, go check out Lucas. And again, thank you, Lucas. You were a gem. Uh, so go and check out Random Mystique's new album, or sorry, song, Where Are You Now? You can find it at randommystique.com, R-E-I-N-A-M-Y-S-T-I-Q-U-E. You can find her on Twitch four days a week, Mondays through Thursdays, 8 a.m. to about 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, twitch.tv slash randommystique. You can find We Speak English Good on Twitch, twitch.com slash we speak English Good. We stream Mondays and Fridays, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, we got a new song coming out. The theme song is coming out August 20th. So not this week, but next week we got a new uh, single, which is basically the theme song that you hear every week at the beginning and end of the show. Uh, so that was that was voted on by the community. Oh. If you don't know what the community is, I'm talking about the Twitch community. So I played them a couple songs. They decided which song was next, and they went with theme songs. So that's what we're going with. And you could also be a part of the decision-making on what we do next. Also, guys, I don't push it enough. Jump in the Discord. But by becoming a member of, of, of Fresh Fam on Twitch, you get access to our Discord server, which has all kinds of music on there i put all these unreleased tracks uh of, that i made we're in there talking shit talking about aliens talking about you know the shit that we talk about here but like face to well not face to face but directly with each other so it's been really fun there's a link in the show notes please go and join our discord it's a hoot uh what else we got that's it. I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat and probably smoke a bowl. This whole, I've been frustrated at my fucking computer for like two hours. So, all right, guys. Um, I'll see you next week. Be good. Be safe. Probably going to have to wear masks again soon. So, get used to that idea of being masked up. Whatever. Not mad at it. Not happy about it. 
but not mad at it. So, all right, guys. Love you. Long time. Be good to your fellow human beings. HJs for everybody. I'll see you guys next time.